Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? Trevor Moore. What a treat. One of my favorite people and uh, just a wonderful episode that I'd like to get to as quickly as possible. Let's burn through these tour dates before we get to it. Uh, I'm going to be... All, by the way, these are all on PeteHolmes.com if you want links to the tickets and that sort of thing. Here it is. Portland. That's on June 28th. Seattle, June 29th. Los Angeles for a live You Made It Weird on July 8th. Uh, please come to that. That's going to be at the Troubadour. Amazing. New Orleans on July 11th. This is so easy. Why don't I always do it this way? Montreal for Just for Laughs. That's July 24th through the 28th. And then Los Angeles for the final Living at Largo on July 30th. Come out to those. Get tickets at PeteHolmes.com. And the uh, the ad is Amazon. Super easy. If you're going to buy something on Amazon, you can support the show. Easy, easy peasy. Go to Nerdist.com. Click on the Amazon banner in the description of this episode. And then shop like you normally would. You get a treadmill or something, you get some sweet, sweet action. It's a free podcast, but I mean, if you're going to do it anyway, don't make that face. All right. Trevor Moore. Get into it. Hey, Trev. How are you? You know I call Zach Krager Kriegs? Kriegs? I find that very funny. Does he like that or not like that? Well, I thought for a very long... I don't I don't think he liked it at first. <laughs> I think he's grown to like it because I thought his last name was Krieger. Krieger, But right. it's Krager. Krager. But I still call him Kriegs. <laughs> you, put a, you put an I in it. You think that's what it would be? C-R-I-E-G. Oh, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Why didn't I think of that? And C-R-E-G-G would be Krager. Of course. Are you going to, you want these? Sure. Eating some raw chocolate. What did you have for breakfast? I didn't have breakfast. No breakfast? Not yet, no. Just a Diet Coke I've, and I've, an electronic cigarette? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You're like every the breakfast. new romancer. Yeah, yeah. You're just a science fiction hero. Every now and then, like a bag of uh, sour worms. <laughs> <laughs> sour worms and electronic cigarettes. Are you breakfast. not a big eater? No, I, I, I eat like once a day. And what? I, and I eat like a bunch. What do you? Like what snake. are you doing? I need to know what you're doing. I, I'll eat when like, is that meal happening? Like four. You go till four? Yeah. <laughs> like when you're shooting and stuff? Well, no. I mean, if you're shooting, I'll kind of like graze on whatever's around. Because it's there. Because it's there. Is that to say that normally when you're not eating till four, it's because of convenience? Like if there was a craft service table in your apartment that had fresh pineapple, you'd eat it in the morning? I'd probably eat, yeah. Well, bring it out. It's just like it's like extreme home makeover, (laughs) but I just bring out trays of food for you. So you go till four. It doesn't make you like lightheaded, blurry, uh, inattentive. No, I'll go through like three or four of these electronic cigarettes by then, you know, so it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty, it keeps me, uh, the nicotine. Yeah, I eat nicotine mostly. Like Frank Zappa. Is it, was he a he has a quote, uh, I got it from Joe DeRosa, where he's mm-hmm. like, I drink the, this black water coffee and mm-hmm. I eat cigarettes. That, like he considered yeah. eating them. Like uh, that, that was his diet. That yeah. was his sustenance. That's what you're also doing? Probably. What? Well, when I used to smoke, um, yeah. I, would, you could, I would go, you know, I could go a whole day without eating, you know, just because. It's uh, an appetite suppressant, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And like, you know, kind of, uh, I, I smoked when I lived in New York and like you'd maybe you know, every couple, you know, every now and then grab a slice of pizza somewhere, but there was no meals. Right. You know, because also, you just kind of walk around and like, well, oh, I'm hungry at this moment. Less I, urgency. There's always yeah. something right there. Mm-hmm. The equivalent of a craft service table in your apartment. Yeah. You were one of the first people I saw with a, uh, 
with an electronic cigarette. That was years ago. Oh uh, yeah, that was you're like an early pi- adopter. <clears throat> you're a pioneer. Yeah, um, a friend of mine. I I had them when they were. You had to get them from England. <laughs> what? Yeah, they like, had them I, there first. I had to order it from England. Electric fags. Yeah, that's what they call them. <laughs> Everybody relax. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I'm regretting making that joke. Every I feel I just bleep it. How often do you just bleep stuff on here? We never, never. bleep stuff. Never. Do people ever complain? Have, have you ever really? It happens every once in a while. What, what Everybody, topic? What topic? Yeah. Um, sometimes, very rarely race. Uh, sometimes, uh, like, if rape comes up, it's almost always going to be offensive. Usually, right. uh, the people that we offend the most are atheists uh, because we, I, we don't represent their views well. If I get somebody on the show that says atheists have as much faith as believers just in other things, uh-huh. I mean... They get mad. It's over. Mm-hmm. I, 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 they just don't want to be thought of that way. They want to be like, hey, relax. And, and you know, I try. I, yeah. I read the comments and I try and do better. Can I, let me try your electronic cigarette. Sure. This is so gross. Does it taste like a cigarette? Uh, not really. They're trying. The um... Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> no. It hurt me. It hurts. Those are it's actually kind of like... strong. Those ones. Yeah. Um, you know, nicotine's a good... Uh, Stimulant, you know, mental stimulant and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was just telling Katie that that was gross. I kind of regret it. I'm feeling a little lightheaded. <laughs> Did you ever smoke? No. Never a smoker. Smoking, That's good. Smoking's bad. Yeah, it is. I've been told it's very bad. Mm-hmm. I have a drunk Pete likes to smoke. So, yes, you have smoked then. I have smoked cigarettes, oh, yeah, okay. in my life. But, I mean, like, not. I was never, like, a smoker. Yeah. Except when I dated a smoker. Can I put this to you? We're talking about electron- early adopter of electronic cigarettes and stuff. Mm-hmm. People like inhaling things. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just enjoy, like, I, I wish there was an oxygen cigarette. I really do. One that would just give you a hit of pure oxygen. That's one of my invention ideas. That's a good, they should, you should do that. They have oxygen bars. I know. Like, you go to Vegas, they've got, like, those yes. uh, oxygen places. And, which is weird. You know you have to do it for, like, 15 minutes or something before you're supposed to feel the effects or whatever. Right. Um, I'm going to write down that F word that, just in case we take <laughs> thinking about it but i i'm such a weirdo the last thing i bought on amazon was uh i typed in recreational oxygen because i wanted to see what would come up Mm -hmm. because whenever it's in a movie or something it was in sherlock the second sherlock holmes he like uses recreational oxygen and a lot of people like a lot of those old not not that sherlock holmes is real uh but a lot of like old-timey writers would inhale it and you know it make it gives you euphoria yeah and then like a lot of energy and a lot of clarity it's temporary of course so i was like can you just buy oxygen turns out you can on Amazon, you can buy it. Really, just like in, uh, like super concentrated oxygen. That- it's it's just regular. I think it's just pure, and it's a big can. It looks like hairspray, and you just inhale it. It okay. doesn't. It's a little bit of a letdown. Really, I've, tr- I've like inhaled like pretty much the entire can, and like <laughs> nothing really happens. <laughs> you should try nitrous. I that. Ha- that, that- <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so, you, how did you find out about them? Electronic cigarettes in Great Britain. Uh, my friend Dan Neubauer, um, yeah, sure. He uh, he was uh, saying, well, you know, he he was doing them, and he was like, these are great. And he, um, I, I'm afraid of lung cancer, of course. And uh, so I wanted to quit smoking. As a smoker, aren't you? Every time you have an ailment, are you? Aren't you worried that it's smoking related? Like your leg is sore, aren't you worried that that's a blood clot or something? I was, yeah, totally, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I haven't smoked for like five years. That's at this wonderful. Point. Sure. Um, so your lungs are clean. Well, you know, I'll, 
No, they're clean. Five, five years is that the turnaround? Oh no, the, way less than that. Well, then, I'm yeah, not trying. Right. To, I'm trying to advocate quitting smoking. I, yeah. I went to the doctor. I, I think this is worth interrupting you for. I went yeah. to the doctor and I had been seeing a girl who smoked, which I just can't do mm-hmm. because it's not that I love smoking. It's that I'm a puss puss. I'd like to think I'm better now, a little bit mm-hmm. more boundaries, a little bit more my own person. But if the girl is smoking. I will smoke so she's not, like, alone. Like, I want to do what she's doing with her. Right. Like, I mean, that's just a whole therapy session right there. We should talk about that with my therapist. So it's very important that, you know, it's very important to the people that you date what they do. It's true. Because... And they have to kind of be down with what I'm doing. Like, I know... I I, Do you find that... If you date someone who's into parkour, you're going to just be like... (laughs) Romping all over town, <laughs> you're in a wheelchair walk. within a couple of weeks. It's kind of true. Don't, do you find that in relation? Are you seeing somebody? Yeah, uh, I'm married. Oh, yeah. that's oh, you're yes, you're married. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you are. <laughs> I'm seeing somebody. Anybody yeah. on the side? <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, but the idea that like when I start seeing somebody, even if even if they're wonderful, it's really hard to keep maintain some of the weirder things that I enjoy doing. Like I meditate. Meditating usually goes right out the window mm-hmm. if I'm spending like a, a weekend with somebody. Like that's a harder thing to maintain. It's believe me, I'd rather be fucking than meditating. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But that's that's how it goes. Yeah. They're not bad things, but it's hard. Like I can't be the guy that's like, sorry, sweetheart, thirty minutes alone, and slam the door. Yeah. I want to be making scramby eggs and dancing around in bunny slippers. Was that <laughs> Jesus knocking? What the fuck was that? Oh, okay, sorry. I'm really scared today. It's early. We don't normally record this early. Do you find that you forfeit your values when you're in a relationship? Uh, not so much, but like um, that's great. You know, what a great uh, answer. But, but uh, you know, like kind of the same thing. When I uh, in, almost in a, in a different angle, when I started smoking, mm-hmm. I was dating a girl who smoked, mm-hmm. and I was kind of like, you know, I was like, smoking is bad. Like, I don't, oh, don't smoke because then you'll get like cancer or something. Right. So then I thought I had the idea. I was like, you know. 18 or 19 I was like whenever she smokes I'll smoke ah. and then she'll be like oh I don't want you to start smoking and then I smoked like for like a day or two and I was like this is a fucking awesome and then <laughs> that's how you started that's how I got into smoking I was like this is great there I mean let's let's speak in defense of smoking <laughs> uh, honest to god it's great right I love it and if <laughs> If they if they cured, <laughs> if, you were so sincere. Yeah, if I left, if I left this this you know podcast right now yeah. and I turned on my radio when I got in the car and they said we've just cured lung lung cancer, yeah. I would turn around, go straight to the Seven Eleven, buy a carton of cigarettes, and I would just smoke for my entire life. It, yeah, it's you just love it. Yeah, they don't make you feel like shit. You know, you don't you, you smell terrible. Yep. Um, These are great reasons to quit. One yeah. of one of my good friends who was trying to quit went with the smell angle. Mm-hmm. You have to find what is your sticking point. Just pick one because that that book how to how to quit smoking the easy way or whatever points out that nobody you can't conceptualize fully what it means to have lung cancer. Right. Like if the ghost of Christmas future could come and bring you to the doctor's office and and give you the diagnosis, it might scare you straight a little bit. But like for the most part, you need something more superficial. Like I smell bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I've had that happen. I've smoked a cigarette uh, and then uh, been with been with a lady, uh, you know, that I'm seeing. And I thought Mm -hmm. it was like a really long time ago that I smoked the cigarette. And then she's like, "You smell like shit." And you're like, "Fuck! These things really they cling on to you." No, it stays for a long time. So stinky. And uh, then I was asking if it makes you feel bad, like lethargic or coffee or gross. Not real. I mean, um, that was never a big thing. Because you got that stock. Where, where do your people hail from? What, where do we hail yeah. from? Where, I mean, like way yeah. back? Yeah, way back. Uh, like Ireland and Scotland. 
See, I wonder if it's that Scottish. I got some of that Irish too. Although, it, mm-hmm. although those people have girth and stock, and you know what I mean, like yeah. a little bit of grit, unhealthy, yeah, bad they, habits, and yeah. they can handle yeah. it, or they can yeah. handle it better than others. I was talking to a friend. Some people just can't. I'm one, two puffs of a cigarette, and I'll feel it the next day. It's just because I'm a baby boy. Uh, I, I I went from from my first cigarette to a pack a day. What in the span of a month? No, you. Didn't. Yeah, it was just I I just I just took to it. I loved it, Let's, and and I would and if it. If I wasn't so terrified of lung cancer, I would go right back. Here's here's the other thing that's great about it. Always something to do. Even with the electronic cigarettes, there's something to do. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I do enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that idea, like, even the the taking off the cellophane, the packing it. The whole ritual, yeah. The ritual. Well, look at this. This, uh, I mean, this is, you know, terrible radio because I'm showing you. Yeah, like, no, you who know. cares? Uh, this is... It's uh, a free show. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh, the pack that the electronic cigarette comes in yes. is like a Zippo. Yeah, see? So they, they just try to, they know that it's, it's a ritual. It's a digital fixation. Yeah. You you have this habit. I, I love playing with Zippos. I love yeah. lighters. I love matches. Fire. I, I love fire. But yeah. also, smoke mm-hmm. is the coolest. You look like a goddamn <laughs> dragon. You're like that's out. You know what I mean? You're just breathing death. And True. also the subtle message. That's why they're badass, and that's why they're sexy. That you don't care about your own mortality. That you're facing it. Yeah. That's why drunks are romantic. Like mm-hmm. uh, obviously, I just watched Midnight in Paris because it's come up on the past two episodes. But like Hemingway sitting alone like housing a bottle of house wine <laughs> but just like housing some wine alone it's kind of, there's something romantic about it it's like this guy doesn't give a shit about his liver when you're smoking you don't give a fuck about everything you yeah. know what i mean so that's dangerous i'm mm-hmm. not breaking any new ground but i get it so you need all the help you get so i have to imagine how old were you when you started uh I was like 18 19 see there you go mm-hmm. and and you're looking for your identity and then you had another box, smoker. Trevor Moore is a smoker. Smoker, like yeah. tall, whatever. Like mm-hmm. we have nothing. Like in high school, I was like, Pete likes punk rock. Like you're desperate right. for some sort of identity. Yeah, and you went with smoker. I get yeah. it. Like I had like a big fan of the movie Face Off. <laughs> Were you and really a smoker? Yeah. Were you an? I thought that movie was amazing. When it the came movie out. Face Off. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> Fucking Nick Cage, man. Where is he? I'd watch a Nick. I'd watch a like adaptation, right? Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. It's that Jim Carrey. Uh, it's the Eternal Sunshine thing. Why don't those guys do more? Is it, is it because there aren't those scripts floating around? Like, where are those yeah. other choices for those guys to continue these like, there's epic just, roles? There's probably just more money in like the big summer blockbuster. So that every now and then they dabble in like the art films, like right. adaptation and Face Off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's fantastic! That's they should do a sequel to that now. Can you imagine Face with, off? Like, with like an old John Travolta and a oh, old Nicholas Cage? Yeah, they're rebooting everything. They should do that. And then the face-off technology would look so much better. Yeah, like back then. Well, it was just it was that was good. It? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying yeah. to think of the scene where they like put the face. It's on. like a rubber mask; it pulls off. And, but then they could also like pass the torch to a younger generation of face offers, like a Shia LaBeouf or a, uh, a Demi Lovato. Demi yes. Lovato and Shia LaBeouf get their faces switched, and it's like a passing of the torch. Like you know, Travolta's like, still in it. But, yeah, but like Starsky and Hutch, they're just in the end. Yeah, going like well, I had my face off once as they run out of a bank or something. Uh, that would make. A trillion dollars. I love that so much. You also, you, I saw you smoking uh, weed, weed smoke out of an electronic cigarette. Or maybe you were weed telling smoke? me that you could. 
You can, yeah. but yeah, I, I don't think I've ever done. Uh, um, they they have them, but I don't think I've ever done an electronic. Oh, uh, I thought you just put uh, hemp oil in the thing. Oh no, I mean, there's some that you can. I don't know if you can just put it in um, any of them, but they do sell them like uh, specifically for that. Oh, they do. Yeah, yeah. Like where it's legal, like in Los Angeles, yeah, that sort yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Do you? I, I I know that I remember talking to you once about uh, whitest kids, and you guys were interviewed by High Times, yeah, and they kept trying to push you guys to like say that you got your ideas from weed, yeah. Is that, is that didn't you tell me that? Yeah, story? yeah, yeah. Yeah. I do. You, do you, I, what, you, what is your relationship with with drugs? I I'm uh, I'm pretty pro, you know. <laughs> um, I'm uh, pro uh, drugs, yeah, um, and uh, you know, but I actually I don't really smoke a lot of pot. Yeah, you know, every, what does that what does that look like? What is what does pot look like? No, <laughs> it looks like oregano. I learned my lesson. It's a bag of oregano. Okay, I'm sorry. Don't send me to get the drugs. Older kids are mean. <laughs> uh, it was pencil shaving. Uh, no, what is what does that mean? Uh, I'm wondering if you still smoke it. Um, I, I don't regularly, but like, you know, if, you know, every now and then, like maybe once or twice a year, Okay, you know, so not, not frequently at all. Yeah. No, yeah. I dig it. I dig it. What, uh, what but I it? don't, but I, you know, I like it when I do, I just don't happen to do it a whole do bunch. Do you, is that a choice? Like, would you like to do it more? Uh, are you trying to like keep sharp? I, I don't mean to always no. push the stereotype that, uh, cause some stoners I know are incredibly sharp, but for me, like with cigarettes, I can't handle weed either. Yeah. Well, it's not. I don't like. I've never really enjoyed being high in public. I do. You know, it. I don't really like being high. And even like the very few times that I like will smoke pot, it, it's you know just like when you're going to bed. Sure. You know, kind mm-hmm. of. I don't really like being high in, in front of people because I don't. I'm not one of those people that can get high and just sort of like you know just hang out, right? Talk like. Are you okay with how you are? Yeah. I kind of go up in my head, and then I need to go to sleep. I totally understand. Yeah. I, I get the loner stoner thing. Like yeah. well, I, The first time I smoked pot, I, I just immediately had – I was like, I have to go in my room and listen to Radiohead <laughs> right now. And I did. I was with my brother. My brother smoked me up, as the kids say, the first time right after my divorce. And I, I thought it was like a cigarette. Mm-hmm. So I took like four or five drags. Oh, you didn't even – oh, okay. I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. My brother was like, hey, really going for it. I'm like, what are you talking about? Ten minutes later, I'm in my bedroom. I literally was eating peanut butter with my fingers and listening to radio. <laughs> but now, go. But it's just that's just a weird image. Like, you know, what yeah. album? What? <laughs> I just put them all on shuffle. You know, I, I wasn't in the mood to make a decision. Are you same way? Are you the same way with alcohol? Yeah. No. I mean, like, I'll I'm I'll drink. You know, um, way more than I'll you know do. Like drugs, right? You know? yeah. It gets out of you a little faster. I think. Yeah, yeah, burns out quicker. But and I can be social with like drinking. Sure. You know? mm-hmm. But what, what brought it to mind was I have the same feeling of like I don't like being in public when I'm like too too much to drink, like three or four or five mm-hmm. or whatever. I don't like at that point. I'm like I'd, I got to get out of here. Yeah. Because I'm afraid. It goes back to being afraid of how I'd be perceived. The same thing with pot. Like I wouldn't want to be. Anywhere, but with like maybe one or two close friends. But if I was just like high at a party where other people weren't high, yeah, I think that would be terrifying. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm the, kind of the opposite with drinking. Like where if, the, if I drink more, I'll be like, wait a minute, I got something I want to say to that person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. I don't like that guy. Let me go talk to him. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, kind of like, okay, that that works for me. <laughs> how do you meet your? How do you meet Mrs. Moore? Uh, we were in the page program at NBC together. Uh, that's uh, a great story. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, actually, I was um, 
because I was an intern for at Siren Live mm-hmm. for a year, and oh, wow. she was a page. And then after uh, that, after my internship, I joined the page, page program, and so we met that way. That's amazing. Yeah. So you've been together for a while. Uh, ten years. Wow. How yeah. long were you married? How, are you married? We've been, Have you uh, been married? Uh, when did you get divorced? <laughs> <laughs> we got divorced about six years ago. Still together. <laughs> Just to keep the fire alive. Yeah. Like maybe we won't get remarried. Well, we're great roommates. <laughs> I smell a pilot. <laughs> Let's shoot it. Divorce, but they stay together. Oh, wait, that was a movie. That was that was Andy it? Samberg uh, <laughs> and that girl from Parks and Rec. Uh, <sighs> and they get they get divorced, and but they're still together. like good chums. Huh. Yeah. That seems unhealthy. Yeah, it was a pretty big buy, as they say in the biz. <laughs> it's a big buy that they would remain friends after their marriage. But I guess that happens from time to time. It's probably happened a couple times. I, yeah, in the course of it history. always off puts me. How are you with your exes? I I, I burn and turn. Uh, <laughs> right. I, I don't really talk to them. Yeah, there you, know? you go. I There's a fucking Irishman. And I That's what I'm saying. Black melancholy. It's over, baby. Well, I mean, they're they're doing the same thing to me. Yeah, it's sure. just like you know, it's just like let's just move on. Yeah, you know, one or two still friends. The most part, fucking beat it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have any time for the past, and then I take off on a jetpack. That's what I say to them. <laughs> Do you oh well? Oh, that was me. That was Sorry. also the future. Uh, do you break up with people, or do people break up with you, or is it a, a mix and match? I've only been broken up with once, and that was my wife. Really? Yeah. Mm. And I'm not saying that to be cool. I've also only been in five relationships. Yeah. So I'm one and four. That's good. One and five, maybe. That's what 80, about you? That's eighty percent. I hate breaking up with people. Really? It's a horrible feeling. I've said this on podcasts before, but not this one. Mm-hmm. It, you have to plan on it, like because I like for the most part doing it in person. Right. So I, you have to like set a plan, like if you're just dating, and then, then you have to put it in your phone. <laughs> oh, really? Like, just a cal- set a calendar. Yeah, you'd yeah. be like, I'll see you on Thursday to break. Like she doesn't know I'm going to break up with you, so you just put it in your phone. Hurt Linda. <laughs> iPhone all day. Oh, it's all day. You you reserve the whole day for hurting Linda, uh, and you don't. Know, I, I love using the word "dungeon" is one of my favorite verbs. But you're dungeon by the, the by the reality that you know you have to break up with them, and it's coming, and they don't know. It's a terrible thing. It's like being a doctor, and you have to diagnose them and be like, yeah. "This relationship has immediate cancer. We're going to die today." Yeah, it's horrible. What about you? Did you break up with people? I've broken up with people, but I'm not good at it. Like I, I, uh, I would always sort of break up and then end up still uh, together. There's be like five breakups yeah. before it actually stuck. Stick. Yeah. Do, so. do they get progressively meaner or? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, um, I mean, no, the breakup doesn't get meaner, but the relationship gets worse. Oh yeah, going yeah, through yeah, the yeah. five. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah sure. Know. And so it just gets, it just you know, it, you know, you're solidifying. Your argument yeah. in the first place that yeah. you know, I would like to bring up again that I don't think we should be together. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you bring up the same briefcase and the same files, yeah. and it's like the evidence was there the first time. Yeah. It's, it's it's getting kicked all the way up to Supreme Court, and but, then uh, you're finally there. <laughs> That's great. But you, uh, what was I going to say? The idea that when you get back, that that's exhilarating. Like I've done, I've mine with one relationship was ten times. The tenth ten, time, ten, ten, wait, wait, ten breakups. She mm-hmm. she was pretty resilient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was always me every time. And God love her. I mean, she was just trying to make it work. I don't mean to shit on her, but it took ten times. And one of the reasons I kept going back 
was first of all, so I'm Daddy Pusspants, who's smoking because they smoke or whatever. Like I, I just boundaryless and just not much of an established man personality. So what would happen was I'd be uh, puss in boots, puss in boots, and I do that mean that as a coward, <laughs> not not as a vagina. Puss, 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 and then I'd break up, and then all of a sudden you'd get this flood of decisiveness and like uh, manliness, like for lack of a better term. You're like kind of like I'm the I'm a man, and I'm breaking up with you, and that would feel so good that it would almost like reinvigorate you and, and enable you to stay in the relationship because <laughs> like in that relationship I, I, I had a hard time with the power dynamic like she really for lack of a better expression wore the pants I was more under her thumb that's a better way to say mm-hmm. it so then I'd break up and she'd be like please don't break up with me and I was like I like this because it even things out no, a little yeah. bit and then like makeup sex and like for a couple weeks like the honesty gates were open you know what I mean because you just broke up there's no more honest time than a breakup right that's why they can sometimes kind of feel good you know mm-hmm. what I mean because you're like we're in the safe space where I'm going to be able to say anything because who fucking cares because this is over and I hate the way you chew on pencils you know what I mean like yeah. it just gets to come out and that can feel good mm-hmm. and that can be misleading and then that, I get the multiple breakups and getting back together yeah I don't know if that's why you did it but that's why I would do it yeah that makes sense because you're also probably putting you know uh, focus on the relationship for that brief period of time, right? And uh, and that's really what a relationship needs. Yeah. And then uh, as time goes on, you stop paying attention to it, right? And then it gets shitty again. And then you're back in the yeah. you're back, and then you get the folder out, yeah. And it's back from the Supreme Court, and it's got all <laughs> sorts of official stamps on it, and you're like, fucking sign the deal, <laughs> this is over. Uh, but now you now so you met. Well, you must not have that much experience because no, you, I mean, that's a, you I, were a youngin. Yeah, I I met my wife when I was 23. Oh wow! Yeah, that's when I got married. I was twenty-two. Oh really? How wild is that? Yeah, and I know we wow, both, that is. we both grew up religious. Did that inform it at all? Uh, I don't. I mean, like think so. I mean, that definitely. I mean, it def. I don't think that made because I still. You know, I was. I dated my wife for seven years before we got married. Oh, so okay. I didn't like rush into getting married. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, and I, I actually, you know, in like a weird, you know, kind of OCD thing, I, I didn't want to get married until I was thirty. Like, I had that set in my head, like, just because I thought that people that got married in their 20s, you know, it usually ends in disaster. Sure. Uh, so I was like, hey, 30. right here. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, 30s, 30s when you get married. Now, I ended up meeting my wife at 23. Yep. So we waited seven years just because I kind of dragged my feet, you know, which, right. you know, you know. God bless her. Like she kind of like put up with it for seven years, but I was just like, I don't want to get married to on thirty. I don't want to get married to on thirty. But isn't that just an arbitrary rule? It totally is. Because someone could come up to you and be like, "We looked at our our birth certificate, and we're off by three years or whatever, and you're you're actually thirty three now or whatever or whatever." You know, <laughs> that would be, be crazy. <laughs> I smell another pilot. You're 50. Uh, <laughs> what? You know what I did? Uh, just we're talking about birth certificates. Hit it. So this is, I've, uh, I just did this like a week ago. Actually, like more two weeks ago. But I uh, I found my birth certificate and because um, I was going through like some old like files and I sure. found a copy of my birth certificate. Next and, to a treasure map and a skull <laughs> with a candle on it. <laughs> but they, they say your physician's name oh. on the birth certificate. Okay. So like I Googled them. And he's got a practice in New Jersey. And it was like in the middle of the afternoon, I was like, I'm going to call him. Like, and, I called, no. and I called the physician no. that, that delivered me. And he picked up the phone. It's Shut old up. Guy, and I just hung up on him. <laughs> <laughs> you just and, wanted to touch the hands just, that touched you yeah. first. And it was, it was this really weird feeling. Like, it's kind of like pranking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
What have you told that man when he held you screaming and covered in placenta that one day in roughly 20 some odd years this baby would call you and hang, Just hang up. up on you? Yeah. I thought you were gearing up to be like, and I was like, you brought me into this world. (laughs) Thank you so much. I know you're in the twilight of your life, but you brought me into the spring of mine. Nope. You just hung up. Yeah. Just gone. That is so fucking funny. So, okay. Did you know Pat Walsh, Patrick Walsh? Yeah, yeah. You did? Yeah. Have we talked about this? We played poker at his house. Oh, that's how you know him. No, I knew him from the page program. I mean, I mean. The oh, I thought you program. were saying, "Do I know?" I didn't. Him? I didn't know. I, I remember now that we've played cards at his house, but yeah. I didn't know you guys actually knew each other because sometimes, I yeah. mean, looking back, it's obvious. No, he and Sonny were both in the page program, and that's how you were all chummy chums. Yeah, that was a good time. Yeah, and you met your wife. Yep, and you were on SNL. I yep. mean, like you were an intern. That was an SNL. intern. Yeah, yeah. Was that terrifying? Pat has some interesting stories about being terrified. Uh, in the page program? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, and uh, it was. It was or uh, intimidated. Yeah, well, it was intimidating. It's it's very you know uh, they're everybody's there's very serious about you know what they're doing. I mean, it's it's a very hard thing to get into. The only reason I got into it is because I was coming from you know I was Lauren Michaels' uh, intern, so I had a letter of recommendation because I would have never passed all of the you know. Wait, you were his intern? Yeah, I was his intern. For Isn't it. that harder to get? Uh, I it I don't know. I don't. It must not be that hard because I got it. Um, just out of school. Well, you know what I did? It was I took a I was uh, at home um for the summer in Virginia and I got the interview for the internship at uh you know, at Saturday Night Live. So I took a bus from Virginia to New York and I got there right in time and I got in and I was like, "Sorry, I I the bus was late." And they're like, "Where are you coming from?" And I was like, "Virginia." And they're like, "How long was that bus trip?" And I was like, "8 hours." And they were like basically like, "Okay, well you can have the internship then." Like, "Oh my god." So they kind of just gave it to me because I, you know, took this huge like trip to get there. Oh my god. Which is a great lie to say, I if, guess if yeah. you if you want. <laughs> they see you coming up from the subway. Yeah. <laughs> You're eating a hot oh, dog. Man, I just walked here. <laughs> Florida. So you worked intimately uh with Lauren Michaels? No, well, I uh, the entire I was his intern when I first got the job, they were saying, "All right, just keep your head down. Um try not to be uh, you know, noticed and uh don't let them know that you do comedy." Uh-huh. Because they don't want uh, comedy people, you know, doing those sure, know, jobs. Sure, sure, sure. So I literally didn't say a word to him the entire, you know, first semester. Yeah. And then uh, they brought me back because they were like, "You did a great job." So like, come back and not uh, talk for another. That's great. But it was, but uh, it got me into the page program because I had a letter of recommendation from like his office. So right. Yeah. That's amazing. But otherwise, I mean, you have to go through. I mean, it, it's something like I think like fifty thousand people a year. Like, yeah. You know, try to get in. I have to imagine 50. now since Thirty Rock. Now oh that people are aware that there's something like Kenneth the Page who gets yeah. to hang out and people know him and stuff. Not that you get to like interact. Like you said, it was a lot of being quiet, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I know that was Lauren, but I'm sure like you still kind of have to keep your tongue yeah. uh, loose and down. What does that mean? Loose and down, yeah. <laughs> you know, the old expression, yeah. keep your tongue loose and down. It's like that old British poster. <laughs> yeah, keep your tongue loose and down. <laughs> keep calm and keep yeah. it loose and down. Loose and down. <laughs> so that's wonderful. What is your What does your wife do now? Uh, she works in digital development for um, uh, Universal. Okay. Yeah. So she, just in case, because I was mildly confused by that, and I'm in show business. You mean she like works? People pitch things to her, yes. and that sort of thing. And like, she doesn't develop digital film. No. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not a job. 
Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to make those pictures pop up instantly. And the people, little people in the cameras. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm always just interested, as, as everybody knows that listens to the show, you're this guy, you're a comedy person, you tour, you pitch, you, you, go, you have the ups and the downs of getting a pilot, getting a movie, doing this, doing that. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder who the partner for these sociopaths, which is us, <laughs> should be. What, what is her temperament like? She's cool with all of this. You've, you've yeah. gone through a lot of stuff. You've had how, seven seasons of White as Kids? Uh, we did five. five. Five seasons, yeah, yeah. Okay, five, yeah. and now touring? Yep, yep. And, you know, movies and, and every pilot season, it sounds mm-hmm. like you're getting something and in something, it seems mm-hmm. to me. I mean, so she knows the ups and downs. Well, she works on the other side of it. So she gets it. Yeah. That helps. Yeah. But did, did she always? I mean, is... Um, no, she kind of... She worked in talent booking um, at VH1 for a bit. Then she worked at oh. MySpace. So she's kind in of... In New York? Uh, yeah, in New York. Okay. So she's kind of... You Friends know, with Angela Bowers, remember? I, maybe. She she, might, she booked know. Best Week when, when oh, I... Oh, I'm, I'm, sure I'm sure she is. time ago. I'm sure she is, yeah. Tim uh, Yeah, sure, sure. Cause love. Um, okay, so she gets it from the other side, but it, it wasn't always the case. Like when you guys met, like she, she was with you during the even worse struggling time. Like the right. really going from a page into comedy. What, what was that transition like with a girlfriend? Um, she was, you know, really great. Uh, she was always kind of, you know... Um, had a, a better job than I did. Yep. So I feel like, you know. It sounds familiar. That happens. Yeah. It happened to me, and, and you're saying it happened to you that somebody was the stable one. Yes. Especially during those crazy years. Yeah. So she was very, you know, and she's always been very, like, level headed and, you know, so put up with my nonsense and, right. you know. How are you as a person? Are you, do you take things personally? Do you go do- down into the depths? Is it. I mean, like if something like for, uh, mm-hmm. Kriegs and I talk about Miss March all the time. Mm-hmm. I know it didn't like do well. You know, uh, was that like a depressing thing, or were there other moments that are less? Yeah, no. Well-known? I mean, like, well, it's. I mean, it was a it was a bummer. You know that it didn't. You know, people. I think people uh, like reviewers hated it. Right. You know, so like that was kind of. You know, uh, I I don't think I was uh, was prepared for um, the amount of uh, scrutiny. Yes, because you're uh, up until that point, you know, and I was we were like 27. It's even, remarkable when we like wrote that thing. <laughs> yeah, but you're just doing this uh, little like deep cable show, right? And it's this fun thing that we can just kind of do whatever we want, right? And like you know, it's doing well, and like people like seem to like it, and it's great. Yeah. So then we like did a movie basically with the same kind of attitude where we were like, yeah, this would be funny. I'll try this. Sure, we'll sure, do this. Sure. This this worked. This didn't. This worked. This didn't. You know, right, kind of right, thing. Right. And then put it on, and then everybody was like, "You guys are horrible." <laughs> Yeah, like reviews were basically like "fuck you." Yeah, <laughs> they were brutal. <laughs> so I was like, "Whoa, okay, all yeah. right." Like, so I mean, it was a little, you know, that was because you flew you flew the plane a little bit higher. Now you're in the motion picture business. I yeah, guess. which I don't think anyone told me that that, or I just it was wasn't smart enough to. But like, I mean, aren't there? There's room. I look back on movies like UHF. That feels like Weird Al just doing whatever he wanted to do. Yeah. you know, I, I love that movie. I'm not saying it's a bad movie, and I'm not saying your movie was a bad movie, yeah. but it seemed like people get to like play around in the style that they're accustomed to right and it's not always destroyed <laughs> yeah well i mean another thing is like you know I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm in no way saying that you know you know our movie was you know good undecided uh but like we were also very young and like not re- uh, we might have been given a little more uh to chew than a little more right. workload than right. we should have been doing at that point right you know because at the same time we were also doing seasons we were uh, finishing up uh, writing on season, we were finishing up post production on season two, mm-hmm. and writing season three, 
and doing the movie all at the same wow. time. So it was kind a lot. of yeah. I think and then some things fell through the cracks. <laughs> <laughs> when you were doing it, did you get a lot of people that were like loving it? And by the way, I didn't hate it. I saw it in the mm-hmm. theaters, and I remember when when your two names came up as the writers, uh, directors as well. Yeah. Writing, written, and directed by you guys, it, like my heart, like really freaked out. It, it it overwhelmed me, so I can't imagine what that was like. Right, uh, you know these two guys that I knew making a movie was yeah. fucking freaky. But when you were doing it, you know sometimes I say it's hard to see the forest for the trees or whatever. Did it just seem like everything was fine, or did you start to get a feeling that it wasn't going to come out what people wanted? No, I mean we were kind of. I mean it was it was really frantic, and it was um, sort of. Uh, and and, my, and my, my view on the movie is that there's some things that really worked, like mm-hmm. scenes that really worked, and then there's some scenes that just don't work at all. I can't forget the scene where Zach wakes up from the coma. I really right. la- I I like laugh that about that scene. The, yeah. all, and every time I see Zach, I laugh at that yeah. scene like I'm still <laughs> laughing. And I, he's told me all about how some of it was digital and some yeah. of it was real. It kills me. It was one of the biggest laughs, laughs for me of the movie, for sure. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah. there's like scenes that I really, really like and I'm proud of in that thing. But it's yeah. just – it's not a consistent movie in any way. And like, um, you know, there's scenes that aren't good and there's scenes that are good. And then there's um, uh, like and my character is a very unlikable character in the movie. Like we just were kind of like, yeah, yeah. So we don't like him. Yeah, <laughs> which is that's an attitude you can't note. Have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why the, it's a it's a stereotypical studio note to be like, make him likable, make him good at his job. Yeah. These are things that they have the numbers. Yeah, and as like a twenty seven year old, I'm like, why? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's so so funny. You know, I didn't even consider that, but looking looking back, I'm like, yeah, that's true. Like, it's hard to root for a guy that you don't necessarily like as a character. Yeah. You know what I mean? But doesn't it have a pretty good cult following? I still see it. You know, it's I'm I'm surprised. It's like it. Uh, I mean, I, I still see like Netflix and or whatever Apple. Like, yeah. it gets popped up every once in a while. You know, kids come up to me and say that like they really like it. But I mean, right. I feel like you know, you know, kid, there's somebody out there that likes every movie. <laughs> Isn't that weird? <laughs> yeah, somebody loves Leprechaun too. Someone, there's people out there that Face Off is their favorite movie. <laughs> That is so yeah. fucking fantastic. You're a big Drive fan, right? I do love Drive. Just, uh, yeah, That's got, one of my favorite uh, films. A great poster here. I've, I've switched. I swapped to the Master. Is oh now, really? Is my current obsession. I love it so so much. I actually got to do a movie. I just saw Luca Luca Jones and I did a movie with Joaquin Phoenix. Oh wow! Very very small scene, just one day. Like my scene probably took you know, 20 minutes to shoot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Once they were like on me, you Mm -hmm. know how cameras are. They turned it around on me 20 minutes and we were 20 minutes scene. That's pretty good. That's like a long part of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) I love that feeling. Like that's such a rare joke for me (laughs) or not really, but like you reel me in and I'm like, Oh, Trevor's confused. What is he talking about? (laughs) And then something in your face just betrays that you're kidding. And it's so, that was so fucking funny to me, but I can't stop watching that movie. The reason I brought up the movie, that I was in with Joaquin. If I had seen The Master before that, I would have had a much, much harder time. Not that I didn't respect him or think he was the coolest, yeah. which I did, but I, uh, I had a, I would have been freaking out because I love, I love his performance specifically. It's amazing. It's, it's like, incredible. It's I, I saw that movie and I wasn't really a big, f- I didn't really like love the story of that movie. Yeah. But like him in that movie, you're like, oh, so 
everybody else that acts isn't that good as yeah, an actor. Yeah, like, yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. that good that you're like, right. oh, and then everybody else is kind of right. not as good as him. Right, right, right. That's, I, I yeah. feel like there aren't that many roles maybe for that sort of thing, but he definitely he took it and knocked it out of the park. But, you know, when you say like the story, it also brought it back to a time when I, a time when I think that films weren't necessary. There Will Be Blood's the same thing. It's one. It's probably my favorite movie. Mm-hmm. People are like, nothing happens. And I'm like, it's all inside. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a Victorian novel. It's all happening on the inside and everything's significant and the more i watch the master the more i realize and the more i read about scientology the mm-hmm. more i realize what's happening and it very closely mirrors a very interesting time in scientology to me which was the dianetics was pretty widely accepted like it wasn't that bonky when you and i talk about scientology going sideways and just being a really weird cult thing mm-hmm. we're not really talking which about we never it. have we've never talked about that Are I, you a Scientolo- <laughs> I would love to have a scientologist on the show no but I, I, uh... i'm in show business and i have all these guests and we get to the religion part every once in a while i feel like they might be withholding because they don't want to say it. I would love to be a Scientologist for like a month. I'm because I, I but I but I don't think you can get out. But like I would just be fascinated. Trevor, to, like, but, what you just said is so close to my heart. Like yeah. anybody, any like system of belief is interesting to me. Yeah, no matter how crazy. It is. Yeah, please keep going on that idea. Well, I mean, like you get in too deep. You're afraid they're going to persuade you to stay. Well, I don't think they'd persuade me to stay, but, <laughs> but I mean, they like, might. But they re- re- smarter people than you dabbled and then and got stepped stuck. in it. Yeah, it's happened. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I just would, I would be fascinated. I, 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 I uh, go past that giant blue building all the time, me and I too. just want nothing more than to be inside of it. Like I want to go, <laughs> I want to see what it's like in there. I want to, I. It's like a club that you're, I'm not invited to. You're so close to my heart. Yeah. I feel the same way when I'm in Utah and I see the temple or yeah. see. Any Mormon temple. I'm like, I want in. Yeah. Show me the dragon. Yeah. You know they have a dragon in there. I want to see what's happening. I want to know what makes rational people, intelligent people, give up everything. You and I wouldn't be caught dead walking into a Scientology center. You know what I mean? Or that's a little extreme. Yeah. But you'd at least be self-conscious and aware. You know what I mean? What if your friends see you? Or like, how do you even feel about yourself doing it? Yeah. But like the truth is – any any anything like that is is interesting to me. That's my sports. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. And that's the weird team that plays with two gloves on their hands. You know what I mean. Like, and I want to see what they're up to. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's like I uh, it it's got to be such a it's just like a it's it's like going to a different country. It has to be. Yeah. You know, uh, and then you get to go home at the end of the day. I don't know. I just feel right. like it would be a fast. I, every religion has. Uh, people who are just kind of you know, sort of into it, you know, kind of, you know, like there has to be, right? There has yes. to be the people who are like, there are people in Scientology, they're like, eh. yeah, like their parents were Scientologists, right. and they're like, uh, they don't want to go to, you know, Sunday school or whatever right. that Scientologist Sunday school is. And in uh, that, that I would love. I Scientologist would, Sunday school, by the way, is working on a boat for 12 years. Like no, it's scrubbing like 12 million toilets. years. Yeah, isn't well, it, isn't 12, it like a contract? It's a 12, you're right. It's yeah. a billion-year contract. But I think maybe around 18, 19, maybe you can get off the boat. No. I don't know if that's true. Okay, that's that's a worse school. Sunday school. They don't have flannel graph. That is a worse Sunday school. <laughs> they have scrubbing. So you keep going. I'm sorry. No, but I mean, I would, lo- I would, I would like to be like, you know, I'd like to go into all these religions and be like there for like a little bit yeah. and then be able to leave. 
You know, that's exactly what I've been saying yeah. for so long. You're so close to my heart for having said that. The same thing with Christian Science, uh, Jehovah's Witness. To even get yeah. weirder, what uh, I was talking to Duncan Trussell, like what I don't know, but what was Charles? Charles Manson was like had some interesting. I would points. have loved to be in the Manson. That's family. what I'm saying. Before yeah. it went crazy, like right. these things go crazy, and that's what's so interesting about the Master to me is you take a guy who's just interested in lifting. All these self-help ideas from other places, which is fine. I'm not saying he should have thought of them ex nihilo, out of nowhere. Right. He should. He, it's fine to borrow from other places. And then he puts them all in this book, adding some of his own flavor and stuff. Mm-hmm. And being like, you can do therapy to each other and here's how. And then people do it and people get good results and stuff. And it, it reminds me of like improv exercises. Mm-hmm. Like you, Trevor, and I are going to sit across from each other and stare at each other in the eye. And you can't react no matter what I say. I'm like, fuck religion. I just want to do that. Like I would want to do that with somebody and just see if I could not react to somebody being like, you're a fat piece of shit. No one thinks yeah. you're funny. Your mom hates you or whatever it is. And I just have to sit there. And But then like at a certain point. It kind of like Scientology specifically adds more and more and more and more. And you start to see, in my interpretation, the corruption of the leader's uh, mind. Mm-hmm. Like leaders, the source family, Manson certainly, mm-hmm. something goes crazy, something clicks. They start fucking everything. Right. They start marrying more and more things. They start mm-hmm. – why wouldn't you believe you're a god when you literally have a following? You have yeah. a flock and they all believe that your word is inspired and that whatever you say, it almost seems like a test. Like you're like, okay, uh, everyone has to work on a boat for 18 years and sign a billion-year contract. And they do it. That's going to make you start writing some crazier stuff. That's yeah. going to inform – it's not going to be – I'm not saying Dianetics yeah. is like a great book. But when people like make fun of it, I'm like, I think it's just basically like Tony Robbins. You know right. what I mean? It's a similar sort of thing. But then, like, you start getting to that really well. status. Yeah. yeah. People, hippies liked it yeah. in the 60s. Like, it was a popular thing. But that's what's interesting is so many people that, like, started in the church, and that to me is what the master is about. They come in for the kernel of truth or whatever it is that did help them. Even if it's a silly game where we just slap each other for 20 minutes, it's called slap therapy. If that helps you let go of social anxiety, who fucking cares if I just made it up? It doesn't matter. But then they keep adding onto it and onto it and onto it. And then you have the church that you have today yeah there's actually something called free zone scientologists and there are people that only kind of like consider it it's like any religion really it's like there's like the vatican one scientology that's what i'm saying yeah exactly they have dissenters they have like luther lutherans you know like that like are like we're breaking away from this and you got it wrong and l ron hubbard meant this and he didn't mean that and that was when he was corrupted and this is before he was corrupted. i wonder if we could join them for a month because they're probably more very hard to find them really i I'm like if you look at what I've Googled, when I'm reading a book mm-hmm. about Scientology, every time I hit something like free zone Scientologist or whatever, my Google history is just those <laughs> words. Anytime a new name comes up or a thing, just Google it. it just like so if they're flagging my computer, they're like, This guy's on the on the outskirts, we gotta reel him in. Uh, but it's harder to find this because the church shuts those down. Yeah. They consider them a threat to the church, so they really do a lot they have a lot of money and a lot of power to shut those things down. I'm always fascinated by the amount of power that you know, because I always just thought that those stories were sort of like, okay, all right, you know. Right. But then um, I was, uh, I had this weird, when I first moved to LA, I was uh, filming something on the street, uh, just like a, it was like a little comedy bit. Mm-hmm. And I was across the street from the UCB theater, and uh, which is where the Scientology Celebrity Center is. Right. And I was just on the street. Right. Um, and they came out and they were like, you have to leave. And uh, I was like, uh, I'm on the street, I'm sidewalk, you know, like, and right. they were like, no, 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 you have to leave, you have to leave. And they were kind of really like kind of pushy about it. We, we wearing suits? 
Uh, no, I wasn't. I was, no, I mean the guides. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's like the security guards. Security guards. And um, <laughs> so I was like, okay, all right, we'll leave. And they were they kind of were like menacing. And so I went across the street to the Gelson's parking lot, and I got in my car. And um, all of a sudden, they swooped in on bikes, uh, and they went to write down my license plate. No. Yeah, but it was I had just moved to L.A., so my car, I had just gotten this car, and it didn't have a license plate on it. Ha, suck it. So I was like, ha, yeah. <laughs> so I like flipped them off. I was like, ha, ha. I don't, have a license, yeah, I don't have a license plate. You know, what are you doing? Why are you harassing me? And You flipped them off? Yeah, I was like, ha, no license plate. You're you know? king of us. <laughs> but then I was driving, and they followed me. Like, they, all of a sudden, uh, I, I was driving, and I had other people in the car, and I was like, am I crazy, or are these, these black, like, kind of SUV things following us? And they're like, no, like, there's, this thing is totally following us, and then we try to, you know... You tried to lose them? Yeah, we tried to do maneuvers to lose them. Maneuvers? And, yeah, and we, and we drove all the way to LAX uh, before we were sure that they were gone. Like, they chased us out of, out of the city, basically. Oh, my God, because you didn't yeah. want to go home. Right, because I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. I've never been followed. Uh, by a car. Yeah, what do you do? Yeah, you just drive to LAX, <laughs> get and, on a plane, yeah. and never come back. And they're like, "Well, that worked." <laughs> but then, but then I went. So I went to my agent's um, office, and I was talking to him. I was like, "Yeah, a weird thing happened to me the other day. Like, uh, I was out in front of the celebrity center, and yes. um, the Scientologist uh, started chasing me. And he jumped up, he bolted out of his chair, slammed the door, and said, "Don't." fuck with the Scientologists. And I was like, I wasn't. I was just shooting a video like near their property. Like that. And he's just like, just don't, just don't. And I was like, really shocked that I was like, really? That is, that's a real, they must have some sort of power. Ah, now I'm afraid for what we said. Well, I know. Well, I mean, it's all, we want to join. <laughs> I know we are basically We're saying positive. it sounds interesting. Yeah. I am saying that it seems like it gets a little bit more. Uh, now I'm just trying to backtrack. <laughs> I did say crazy and culty. Who gives a fuck? I've said all this that one's just going to have all these bleeps. Like, uh, <laughs> the electric uh, cigarette bar <laughs> gone. All that stuff gone. Um, that's wild. But let me put this to you. And I bet we have this in common. Again, going back to us both being uh, raised religious. Um, and I and I really want to get into that, of course. But the feeling of unpopular faith always seems like alluring to me. Being a kid who went to high school and re- received a certain amount of ostracizing because he was like the Christian kid. Mm-hmm. Um, now, ex- uh, Utah was a big thing for me. When I went to Utah and I saw these people that lost their families and, and were miscommunicated or, or uh, discommunicated from their old churches and their old lives, but they did it to become Mormons. Like they wanted right. to be Latter-day Saints so badly that they didn't care what it looked like or what this is what I believe. That's always intoxicating to me. So yeah. if somebody's like, fuck everything, I'm a, I'm a Scientologist, I don't give a shit what you think, that sort of... Uh, the conviction. The conviction, it turns me on. Is, yeah. is that similar to you? Being yeah. somebody... A Christian person, you know the 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 difficulty sometimes it is to like stick to your faith and proclaim your faith and be like fuck all y'all I'm with Jesus or whatever. That's an embarrassing thing and a difficult thing. So I respect it in other people, even if I don't agree with their like ideologies. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's like for there's an appeal to like something that's so crazy that you're like maybe like I hang out on a, a like a bunch of like weird uh, like conspiracy sort of message boards a lot and um, <laughs> and there's this group on this one board that I hang out that's just they're insane and they're uh, they're called sun gazers and they kind of think that they can just sort of stare at the sun 
Um, That's and, what Source and, Family did that too. Oh, really? Stare and get, at the sun. get all their nutrients from it. Like they think you don't have to eat; you can just kind of stare at the sun. Why it goes through your eyes? Yeah, yeah it's kind of like plants, like a photosynthesis thing. I don't know. I don't know what it's. It's a crazy thing. Uh, and you know, every now and then they're talking about like, oh, my eyesight's not getting so well. And, you know, I'm like, <laughs> they're like going blind and stuff because they're staring staring at the sun. Right. But I'm kind of like, nah, what if they're right? You know, like how well, <laughs> as you're saying that, Trevor, I don't know if this is a virtue or my biggest handicap. I'm open to both. But as you're saying that, I'm kind of like. Well, the Source family people did that, and they seem to get good results. And there is, plants do get it from photosynthesis. And then I'm like, maybe that's what Jesus was doing and Buddha, all these guys for the 40-day fastings in the wilderness that they both did. Or, the desert. Yeah. Yep. Maybe they were staring at the sun. Mm-hmm. Maybe there is something to it. I mean, like we believe that we get it from our skin. I, I put my arm out because I was just at Disneyland, and I got a lot of sun. It uh, cures depression. It, uh, yep. 10 minutes of unprotected sunlight gives you all the vitamin D you need in a day. That's my yeah. fun fact. But I mean, like, so we are getting a lot from We're all here for the sun. Mm-hmm. Sun worship. Stare at Makes the sun. Makes a lot of sense. Sun worship makes a lot of sense. Oh, yeah. Because that's why, like, the first things everybody worshipped was the sun. Right. Well, I mean, that's kind of why you exist. Right. And it is why you exist. Like, if you're an atheist and you're missing some sort of spiritual ritual in your life, just worship the sun. It's there. It's definitely there. Even at night, it's still – it's just on the other side. I just learned that. I thought it turned itself off like a cartoon. <laughs> it becomes uh, the moon at night. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know there are early scripts that definitely said that. The sun turns into the moon. And then one guy watches it go down. He's like, well, yeah, I see both at the yeah, same yeah, time. Yeah. We have you seen the moon lately? It's cr- fucking crazy moon. It's a super moon right now. We got now. the super moon. Yeah. That moon was awesome. I yeah. went out and chased that moon. <laughs> I love that moon. I can't get into It always weirds me out when we have both. When we have the sun and the moon. At the same time? Yeah, because I'm like, what's going on on the other side of the... They got nothing. They got nothing. That's it's just Alaska. Doesn't... Yeah. They just got nothing. But sun, where... Okay, well, let's get into this a little bit. You grew up uh, in like a church band. Uh, well, my parents were Christian uh, folk musicians. Were you going to say rockers? Well, they kind of transitioned to rock like in the 80s. So <laughs> They did? Yeah. Well, they did a rock album. But, uh, they, have, but they have multiple albums. Yeah, yeah. They had the number two uh, Christian uh, song in the country for a while. What 80s. is it? What it's if called I... Love Song for Number Two. But uh, Love Song for Number Two, and it went to number two? Yep. There is a God. Yep. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I kind of I lived on the road with them uh, in like a motorhome. Like we would just travel around and tour. Just the three of you? No, uh, my sister too. My okay, sister. that would be weird to leave her. Yeah. <laughs> Younger sister? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And we did that till, you know, I was, we did like kind of like full time till I was eight and then off and on until I was like 12. You had a job till you were eight. Right. I ran the, the, the merchandise table. <laughs> well, you didn't sing. <laughs> oh, I, you know, I sang. Um, you sold merch? Oh, yeah. I was the merch guy. I was a roadie. <laughs> This is the eight-year-old roadie. I mean, uh, that's got to work. Yeah. Cute little kid. Yeah. Buy a T-shirt. And I would make 10 cents for every album I sold. So that was like my allowance, too. So I got a commission. Oh. Did uh, you hustle? Did you, oh, yeah. You, I'd offer deals. Well, you can get five for, you know. Oh, uh, um, an eight-year-old? Yeah. This is where you learned your charisma. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Uh, yeah. So we, I did that. And I actually, I had like, they had one song that I would sing in. Um, I, had, I had a part. Uh, and then when I was uh, six, I quit. I was like, I don't want to do that anymore. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't you, like it. You got out of it. Yeah, I bailed. I, I, I actually, it was during one of the shows. And I remember this. Um, uh, I was sitting in the front, and at a certain point, my mom calls me on stage, and I'm supposed to come up and then, you know, sing my part. And uh, I was in a bad mood or something, so she's like, all right, Trevor's going to come to stage. And I'm like, I don't want to. 
And I just yelled, I didn't want to. And then she was like, oh, but this is the part of the show where you come up. And I'm like, I don't want to do it anymore. You know? And uh, How many like, people are watching? Uh, it's like, I mean, God, I can't remember. I mean, a full to a six-year-old's perspective, yeah. it was like Madison Square Garden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and I, uh, I was saying, I don't want to do it anymore. And my parents were like, okay, I guess we're going to skip that song. And I was like, I don't want you guys to do it anymore either. I want to go home. Oh my god! And uh, so my mom was there a gasp? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. Uh, And so my mom and dad on stage were like, "Okay, Trevor, let's all right." And then I, buddy. And then I walked up on stage, and my my parents were like, "Okay, do you want to do the song?" I was like, "No, I want to go home." And I threw a fit. There's a light misfiring, and a red spotlight hits you, (laughs) and little horns (laughs) from backstage. I want to go. Yeah. Well, so my mom takes me backstage. Um, she's just like, I'm going to go talk to you backstage. And I'm throwing a fit. So she, like, spanked me. Uh, but she's mic'd. So everyone in the audience can hear it. And it's huge applause. Like, standing ovation. <laughs> no, 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 no. She spanked you on mic? Yeah. And you applauded it. Whole Madison Square Garden. Standing to a Yeah. <laughs> they loved it. It should have been the closer. <laughs> they should have manufactured it every, every night. night. <laughs> just spank the kid at the end of the show. I mean, you're just backstage yeah. clapping. Yeah. Ow, ow! I would give $1,000 cash to time travel just to that. That might be my number one time travel. It used to be meet the Lord, and now it's go to that moment in time. Fucking naked gun style forgets her love is on yeah. and spanks you. Yep. And you're crying. And it killed. <laughs> and it killed. <laughs> Nothing's killed that hard in show business before or since. And the hurting of a, a small boy who wanted to go home. And you had like a valid point. You're like, I don't want to live on the road. I'm sick. Well, honestly, I probably meant to the Holiday Inn or to the motorhome. Right, like, sure. I probably just wanted to watch something on TV. Like, <laughs> I was probably missing a show I liked. She spanked you. <laughs> oh my god that is great so okay do they still do it no not really she's a she's a teacher and uh, my dad's a graphic designer they still love the lord though yes now that that's the thing you and i have talked about many times that you still love the lord i go ahead well i mean i don't i don't know i don't uh i i don't believe in a hell or you good know. place to start. I yeah. really mean that. It's yeah, like, no, it's like I if mean, you're sitting down with somebody, want to break it down real fast. Yeah, I, I don't like. I, I my 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 religious uh, take is that I have no idea what happens when you die, okay. and I think that anyone who really thinks that they do know what happens when they die. It's crazy, <laughs> you know, because there's no way, there's no way to know. Well, like, as, a, as a grown man, that point that Bill Maher makes in Religious, I took a lot of comfort in that, in the idea, now that I feel like a fully formed human, like not a child anymore, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, the people telling other people what definitely happened are also just like me, like flesh yeah. and blood and failed, like they have failings in their brain and they can't possibly know because they're just some schmo. Right. It's a great Bill Burbitt. It's like the guy on stage, the, the preacher, just some dude. He yeah. likes soccer. He eats nachos. You know what I mean? And he's up there being like, you're going to burn or, or not burn or whatever. Yeah. So I think that's a healthy interpretation. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. I, I, I think the idea of hell doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, yeah. And I hope there's not a heaven. Uh, just like a traditional sense. Oh God, to be, be around forever. Yeah. That would be terrible. I can't right. think of anything. When I was a kid and I like thought that there was a heaven. 
my whole my whole mo my plan when i was a kid was like all right well i got to be good i got to get into heaven and then however long it takes i'll wait in line so i can talk to god and <laughs> there's a line well, in I mean, heaven it's got to be i mean yeah because uh, you're thinking of the easter bunny yeah it's like yeah exactly yeah, yeah. it's so a like, mall i'll wait my turn uh, eventually You'll sit on his lap get a photo <laughs> if it takes a thousand years it's gonna take a thousand years you know right. there's no time anymore so it doesn't matter right um and then when i get to god i'll just be like hey i'd really rather just not exist is that, you know, can I just not, you know... Wait, you had that thought as a child? Yeah, the idea of, like, uh, infinity yeah. is, is a terrifying concept. It is a terrifying concept. Um, but, infinity in the midst of ego, I think, is the problem. Well, also, infinity not understanding, I mean, as a kid, that, you know, infinity just really means no time. So there isn't really any time. It's just kind of some state of con- uh, constant, right. you know, yeah. um, stasis. So it wouldn't actually feel like, I, I would imagine, right. if it's an released. infinite thing, yeah, you're kind of outside of a you're 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 outside of a third dimension pov right. so time isn't really what it is here yeah but um cool. i <laughs> but i uh yeah i just it was like i'm i don't want to the whole idea of living forever is just the but worst thing i can imagine that's with you with consciousness with ego being i am trevor moore i am dead i'm in heaven this right. is boring as fuck. Yeah. That guy's doing magic. I hate this. Yeah. You know what I mean? But the idea of death, I, I, I really relish the idea of the death of the ego, mm-hmm. that dis- disappearing when you die. And then some sort of essence. This is, this is my, if we're doing our favorite uh, end of life scenario, mm-hmm. is that your ego dies. So you lose that sense of I'm a man. I'm a male human. Mm-hmm. I'm a white guy, 6'6", six, six, or whatever. Smoker. I'm a smoker and I love face off <laughs> yeah. and punk rock. All that goes away. What's left is just the truest essence of myself, and then that thing floats around and explores like just right. an infinite sort of universe thing. Without any memories from uh, Earth? I don't think so. Why would I be troubled? I'm barely troubled with them now. Right. <laughs> I mean, like, it's all burning. Yeah. Well, that's uh, good. Because then, I, I mean, it's kind of like, well, good for whatever that thing is, like my soul or whatever. But, like, right. you know, if my, mem- my, if my memories aren't there, then I'm not really going to exist, you know. So that'd be yeah. good for my soul, but I really don't have a, a dog in the race. Yeah, you know, I, I think you're right. And mm-hmm. that's interesting. I guess... I guess I am looking forward to some sort of death. Like a lot mm-hmm. of my atheist friends hate the idea that when they die, all the knowledge, all the experience, and all the memories that they have are just erased. Really? It's like this really depressing, like you just spilled water on your laptop and it sizzles and fries and it's gone. Uh, but I'm kind of like, there's something also kind of beautiful about sweeping all that away because isn't all of this an illusion? It's stupid. Yeah. It's all pretend. There's no day. There was no podcast. None no of this meme. is actually happening. Well, I mean, <laughs> do you have any weird thoughts like that? Oh, yeah. Detachment to this whole thing? Uh, well, you know, I don't know. At a certain point, the entire universe has to collapse in on itself or something, right? And then time- Wait, is that agreed? I don't know. I think that's a theory, you know. Yeah, okay. uh, but then at some point time stops. And so then did any of it really happen at all? Time stops? It's got to. Why? Cuz uh, unless it's infinite. Okay, I, I guess I see what you're saying. And it doesn't seem probable that it would be infinite. Infinite. I don't know. I mean, no, this is great. I'd like to point out that neither of us are smoking pot. But like it's, I, I, I like that sort of experiment. Mm-hmm. I think what I mean is we talk about the cosmic joke a lot, the idea that light existence itself is kind of funny and absurd. Mm-hmm. Like some people – all the funny – most of the funny people I know have an appreciation just for the fact that like that we have another day and that we're walking around and things are happening. If you can step outside of that. It's it's just absurd and kind of funny. Yeah, like I had my my um, 
my broker told me some bad financial news. It wasn't horrible. Mm-hmm. But he was like, I'm going to make these numbers up. He's like, you lost $1,000 yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I just laughed. And like, I don't think he's gotten that before. And it's not because I'm like Johnny Rich Pockets. You right. know what I mean? It's just like I'm like, that's so weird to me. Yeah. Because the stock market is actually a pretty good analogy for how I feel about everything. I don't quite understand it. There's numbers and there's rules and there's things happening. And there's this pulse underneath it that I'll never – like what are people on that floor yelling and screaming and the pieces of paper and and Bane is there. You know, like I don't (laughs) get it. So it just seems like a joke to me. That's kind of how I feel about existence. I don't get what's happening. So it all seems pretty funny. Yeah. And at the end of the day, none of it really matters. That's the weird thing that we dabble with touching. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, if you go macro enough, nothing matters. And that's what's insane. That's kind of cool, though. Okay, we can either be liberated by that or we can be cold and alone and wet and sad. Yeah, but it doesn't matter if you are cold and alone and wet and sad. <laughs> I mean, now you're really baking with soda. I mean, that's fucking crazy. But, I mean, you, do you have existential crises about life being meaningless, especially being injected with life having so much meaning? Mm-hmm. Growing up and believing like me that you need to pray to Jesus – uh, a specific prayer and and you'll live forever and the other people burn forever sort of thing. You're, you you get this amazing narrative. The stakes dramatic, are pretty high. High stake yeah. narrative. And then going to the other other land, it can sometimes feel lonely. I think that's why we sometimes have a melancholy and a romanticizing of those beliefs. And that's why I cling to them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Despite like – you can make any argument, and I, I know you can too. I talked to you at that party in Bridgetown, I think, mm-hmm. and I was like, I had just learned about it, and you knew about them all. I was like, well, what about the way that the Christ story mirrors this hero's journey and this? And you knew about all of them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, Trevor knows all that shit, but you still maintain a little bit of the association with a Christian guy. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, it's like, I think there's positive things about a lot of religions, you know, but. Um, you know, it's 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 hard to tell. I, I feel like whatever uh, most people see as Christianity today is probably very very far from what it originated as, mm. and uh, to the point where I mean, n- now it's just sort of you know like you know, the, the hell thing. I don't know when that got added, you know, or right. you know, and it's 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 hard to tell where things got put in, you know. Right. Um, so it's just I don't know. I can't. I. I just I have no idea what happened. I just that. watched an interesting movie. Uh, it was called Hellbound. I can't stop watching. If there's something about like the afterlife or people's interpretations of it, and I didn't want to watch it because I was afraid <laughs> that it was just going to be like compelling arguments for hell. I was like the whole thing. It's just two hours of yeah. like no, it's hell. It actually talks a little. You, you might want to watch it. It's on mm-hmm. Apple TV. It, it talks a little bit about when we added the narrative, added the narrative of Lucifer being a fallen angel mm-hmm. who rules hell and that eternal fire sort of thing. Where, you know, I, I've said this on the show many times because it's something that I had to look into, but Jesus never really, not never really, never saying hell, never talking about hell the way every pastor does today. Right. The sales hook, the thing to get you in is afterlife insurance now, which is the cheapest, most flimsy fucking crap toy faith you buy it in one of those machines, the bubble machines in the back of the grocery store for a quarter. It's garbage faith where you're just like, I was told I would burn forever, so right. here I am. It's not making you a, a good person. No. It's just hedging it's your making bets. making you a worse person, yeah. actually. You're just kind of like shallow and, and a new type of selfish. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where you're like and, – and empowered. Like, I don't die. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it kind of, I mean, it, and it probably in some cases kind of taking a little joy and like, huh, well, everyone's going to hell sure. me. Sure. I know? remember uh, in weaker moments 
everyone's probably having feelings similar to that, mm-hmm. being like, well, I don't have to worry. But I also remember a, a feeling, a nagging feeling deep down that I didn't really believe if you pushed me hard, 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 hard. Enough. Yeah. You know and, I mean? and, and I think as a lot of kids try to, like, they're like, well, I have to believe. Right. Or I'm going to go to hell. Yes. Oh, try really hard to believe. Try really hard to believe. Right. But, you know, there's, you know, for when I was a kid, the thing that I had a huge problem with was, like, the Adam and Eve story. Sure. You know, it's just like that. I, I don't, I, even as a little kid, I just don't think that happened. That right. didn't happen. You sure. know, kind of thing. And that would bother me as a kid because I would be like, well, if I don't believe that, does that mean I'm going to go to hell? Like, you Mm -hmm. know, and so, but did, did you run into that later? I mean, like a lot of Christians I know don't believe that that literally happened. In fact, I would say 99% of them. Yeah. But it's in there. So that's the thing. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's in there, but I mean, no, no, I agree with you. Mm -hmm. It is in there. And there are a lot of people, Mm -hmm. uh, I think, in America, I think are most of them <laughs> that have a literal interpretation mm-hmm. be like it was Adam and Eve and there was a snake. But like for me, that stopped pretty early on. We we realized that it was a story about not how God created the world, but a story that God created the world. And because yeah. it's unknowable and ununderstandable, that was the poem that was written to help us kind of like grasp yeah. that God created the world. Um, did well, you run into that later? Did you have friends that kind of opened that up for you? No, I mean, I just, I never really, I mean, I've, I've, I've heard that you know, sure. later on, but I mean, I think the, the, the church uh, or community that I was in, I, 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 it was never really stressed that that wasn't real. Interesting. You know, that was not laid out that this is not real. This was kind of, this is all gospel. Right. You know, right. and that's um, a danger. That's a crazy, crazy place. And so, I, I don't mean any disrespect to people no. that believe that, but like, it just, anybody say, like, it goes back to what you said. Anything with any certainty, I think mm-hmm. you might be kind of nuts. Like, that's a nutty position. Yeah. I understand the appeal of it, a black and white perspective, but the gospel thing, and it's in there, and I believe it, that does it, I God yeah. said it sort of thing, is scary to me. Yeah. It's, Anything, and taking religion too literally all around anywhere right. is just a bad idea. I think the current religious discussion I like to have, and I was just saying this to a good friend of mine uh, who also grew up religious, and we were talking about the idea that, like, for me, any sort of biblical or spiritual debate, if you want to look at the Bible and be like, there's, there had to be the following uh, means of exploring it. One, Maybe it means what it says, what it's saying. You know what I mean? Let's say Jesus saying uh, it's harder for uh, a man to get through the eye of the needle or uh, go to, for a rich man to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. That's just a, a good verse that people debate about. One, that's true. Jesus said it. That's true. Rich people don't go to heaven. Okay. Two, uh, we can be like, well, he says the kingdom of heaven, so he doesn't even really mean heaven the way that we were talking about. Now we're discussing it mm-hmm. as if it's still real, uh, you know, and, and it was recorded as said and all that sort of stuff. So I think we can interpret it and we can debate it and maybe it means this and maybe it's a condition of your heart and he's just talking about becoming in the community of believers or whatever. And then three, and I think this is essential and I only got this recently, is you need to be able to say, or he never said it and it never happened. Like yeah. that has to be on the table. You have like, and most people uh, that do that with a lot of things. If you want to be a universalist and say everybody goes to heaven and there is no hell, you're with some verses and stuff. You are kind of being like, well, I'm being lenient with this. I, I'm not interpreting that as hardcore as other people. And then the people that are being hardcore aren't interpreting the universal versus as hardcore. You know what I mean? They're being yeah. lenient on those. So everybody's kind of doing it. I just want to be in the open. 
You know what I mean? This is my cult. We're going to take the best parts of Scientology, the best parts of the Manson family, the best parts of the Christian scientist, yeah. Jehovah's Witness, uh, Hare Krishna. It doesn't matter. All of it in here. And at the, at the base of it, you're allowed to be like, or it's all bullshit at any moment. Yeah. That's the only healthy spiritual discussion, I think. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, a schmo just like you wrote it down. Mm-hmm. Some schmo like you. Mm-hmm. Have you ever met a guy that you would like trust all the secrets of the universe to? Yeah. Some fucking guy. And tons of people are writing different stuff down all the time. And right. at some point, they had to just be like, you know, all right, this one's real, this one's not. This yes. one's real, this one's not. You know, and that's just and they those were just schmoes. Yes, you know? schmoes. Yeah, that was a that was a big thing. Carlton uh, Carlton something, the guy who lost his huge congregation because he uh, he became a universalist and he said, I believe that gay people are okay and and people are going to heaven and there is no such thing as like an eternal conscious torment hell sort of thing uh, he he started with what you're talking about which was the canonization of the bible mm-hmm. when we had all the writings we've declared it the official religion sort of thing and now we're going to make the bible when people hold up the bible and be like this is the word of god and people yeah. pray on the bible that's a collection of, of letters and yeah. stories that were scattered yeah. all over it's a now that's what i call gospels it's a best of <laughs> yes yeah. That is great. That's completely true. And other tracks got cut. Yeah. And there were people pushing for them. Mm-hmm. There were, there were, you know, I remember there were stories about a young Jesus turning his friends into goats. You know, that, that's yep. an extra biblical story or an apocryphal story. Mm-hmm. And there was a guy that really wanted the fucking Jesus goat story in there. <laughs> and then some other guy also drinking a little bit too much wine was like, I don't know. It's a cooler story if he disappears between 13 and 30. Isn't it? Yeah. It was for Superman. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they yeah. they made it. Yeah. They turned it into a thing, and I think maybe they had good intentions. I was just uh, I or guess, not or not. Who knows? There you go. Yeah. There you go. I was just talking to uh, Vikram. Uh, Vikram Gandhi was this guy who did, did the movie uh, Kumare, and he was telling me about one of these cults has this like epic book that was written in the forties. I'm forgetting what it was called, but it's it's you know hundreds and hundreds of pages long. Story is very very similar to The Hobbit. There's mm-hmm. a lot of like hobbits in it. Uh, it spans millions and millions of years. There's all these epic galactic battles. Has many many authors, and he was just talking about how this one uh, commune, or you can say cult if you want. It's all right. Uh, his phone rang. Um, all gather around and read that story. And I'm kind of like, okay, I get it. Maybe it just gives people comfort. You know what I mean? Maybe that was their intention was like, yeah. let's make the right book. Or it was control. I mean, yeah, you can't have too I, many. Uh, I think it's probably, a, lot of, a lot of religious stuff is both. You know, yeah, sure. like dying is scary. People are afraid of dying. Yep. You know, and then, you know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, at some point, you know, the uh, Christianity became, you know, this thing that was beneficial to the uh, government at the time. Yes. You know, and it became a control thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's kind of like today it's still used as uh, – uh, by some people mm-hmm. it's used as a way to get people to vote a certain way. Yeah, and it know? works. Yeah. And that that's a new thing. Fundamentalist Christianity is relatively new in yeah. our history. And it, and it really, really works. Yeah. Because there is something appealing about a guy like Jerry Falwell or whatever scary guy. Like, believe me, I am not on that guy's side. Right. But a scary guy breaking mm-hmm. it down really clear, being like, look, here's the now that's what I call gospel. And I'm only going to play you a couple tracks, but I'm going to play them loud and we're going to dance and do ecstasy. Yeah. And people are like, you took something mysterious that we're supposed to be wrestling with, yeah. really boiled it down. That's all I want. But like, I, I, can't have, I can't have it done that way, I suppose. Yeah. 
Drawled. Sorry, I thought I turned that. Drawled. <laughs> Who is it? Is it know. Jesus? <laughs> Trevor, please. Oh, stop. we're in trouble. Is it Scientologist? We're in so where so where are you now? I like you have children with your kids uh, with your kids with your wife. I don't. If you do, oh, 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 oh. if you do, if I do, yeah. Um, what are you going to do? Uh, you mean what, religious wise? Yeah. What does your wife want to do? Um, I I think we would probably just you know say, look, I, I, I just be honest. Like I don't know what happens. I mean, yeah. it all comes down. I don't know what happens when you die. Like right. you know, I you know, I think that this is probably not right, and I think that this is probably not right. I think these these elements are beneficial mm-hmm. um, and are actually teaching good things. Sure. You know, but you know, don't you, you don't want a kid. Uh, overly um, feeling uh, that they're bad, or mm-hmm. that um, the that everything that they do is being like you know Watched judged, and evaluated. Yeah, I had a very hard when I was a kid. I had I I, I do have like uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, mm. um, and you still have it. Yeah, yeah. And as a kid, um, it was very very bad because um, I was also in very very religious you know community. And so you're thinking that, you know, God is watching and God can talk to people. And I think that's a scary thing to kind of introduce is that when God directly talks to people. Mm-hmm. Um, but so when I had like OCD stuff, it was hard for me to differentiate if it was, you know, is this God telling me to touch the stove? Is this, oh. you know, is this – and I wasn't really sure what it was. And so then like when I would talk about it and like I've really got something going on up here that's not, you know, that's problematic. Uh, my, I got sent to um, a Christian psychiatrist because mm-hmm. uh, everything that, you know – it like went to Christian school, like you know everything was like Christian. So the Christian psychiatrist would just be like, "Well, you should uh, just pray to God that uh, you know these kind of things will go away." Mm-hmm. But then you can't do that because you're still asking. You're the you're voice. still yeah you're yeah. still talking to a disembodied voice. Yeah, kind of you're thing. using one disembodied voice to get rid of another. Yeah, which is a terrible. Voice. Yeah, and it's also you're reminding me of how scary it is as a kid to pray for something really specific to go away mm-hmm. and the heartbreak of it not being answered like kind of magically and immediately. Right, the way you'd expect in a movie. Yeah, you know what I mean. For me, it was anxiety. I'd be like praying for God to like calm me down, and then it was like not working. Yeah, that that was what was so nice for me about meditation was I was like I used used to ask for it. And now you. Actually actually have something to do to kind of manufacture it mm-hmm. but so keep going so you'd pray for the voice to go away what does this voice say well it's not even a voice it's just you know it's just more of like um, like an obvious question i didn't mean it to be <laughs> no no i mean like it's you know just kind of you know you do this or you know your parents will be in a car accident right. or do this or you know this ritual prevents this. you're going to get this or like that right, right right um and uh when did it show up uh around 12 probably Interesting. Yeah. I feel like that's about the right time when your brain is really getting more power, getting a little bit smarter and having more energy and and more anxiety. Isn't it a a symptom of anxiety? I I think it's in in the umbrella of anxiety disorders. Yeah. Yeah. So you're an anxious fella Mm -hmm. and then that gave you some control. And the mystic element of it kind of does make sense. Well, it didn't. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it didn't give me control. It just kind of made things worse, like oh, the okay. whole religious thing, you know. So, and I kind of they kind of got fused together for me as I got older, and so kind of distancing myself from one. In order to distance myself from one, I almost had to distance myself from both, you know, completely kind of thing, because they became intertwined, and uh, I, you know, they were the same thing <coughs> to me. Yeah. 
We Sean Patton, you know Sean. Mm-hmm. He uh, he and I had a nice t- uh, chat about OCD and and getting it out of the way that it isn't just, but the mythical quality of it is that, like you want to control some sort of outcome. Mm-hmm. What is your relationship with it now? Or are you are you medicated or no no no? I I, um, I I went on medication once for it, but it was the problem I had with the medication was that it made it hard to tell the difference between uh dreams and reality uh-huh. which is a very scary thing to like sure. you know to have like very very real dreams and then were it, the real dreams a symptom of the medication or is that yes. something you have anyway no no it was it was a medication thing and then i was like that's not worth it so i just decided to try to like deal with it non-medicated interesting yeah, yeah yeah and uh, how does it um feel what what is it like are you still dealing with like i have to do this to prevent this yeah i mean you i mean i don't think i don't think that it's something that goes away mm. you know um but i think it's something that you just manage after a while right like, you know at this point i've been dealing with it for you know 20 years right so it's you know not as big of a hindrance in my life you know i can kind of i'm familiar with it and i've kind of worked it into my routine and it doesn't bother me as much as it did when I was younger. Right, it's still there, just the same amount, but I can ignore it a little better. Ignore it, or are you yielding to it? Is the one way to get rid of its power just being like, "Look, I touched the top of the of the medicine cabinet in the morning." It's both. Yeah, you know, I yeah, uh, it's yielding to it, um, but then also setting up like boundaries, like, okay, all right, I know that this isn't a real thing. Right. You know, like I'm not going to. You know, some things I'll do just because, you know, eh, you know, you win some battles, you lose some battles. Sure, you know? sure, but, sure. Uh, but I think I win more than I won when I was a kid. It reminds me of the fervor that both of you and I share for some sort of like mythical, th- mis- mystical thinking where it's like we want to know what the Scientologists are up to. Mm-hmm. We're all, it's also hard to convince us, people like you and me. Uh, that doing something isn't helping or isn't doing something good. You know, like I feel like I'm just a couple steps behind you is what I'm saying. I don't have OCD, but I understand that sort of thing where it's like right. you can't tell me that that it, I'm not hurting anybody and this seems to help me and yeah. I believe in something bigger. It all feels kind of like God stuff. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's when I when I do yield to stuff now, like with like OCD, mm-hmm. it's more of just like I just don't want to keep thinking about it, right? You know, um, it's not so much that I believe that it's going to like if I don't touch this, that my like parents are going to you know die or something right, like that. Sure. It's not that. I mean, it's not that I really believe that's going to happen. It's just more that if I touch this and just keep on going with my day, if I touch this desk and keep going on with my day, I'll stop thinking about it. Because right. otherwise, I'm still going to be thinking about it. Right. And it's just, you know, it's worth it to me to just do that and then move on. That's like, me when I make sure that the door is locked. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think everybody has less exaggerated versions of, of that sort of feeling. We know the door is locked. But I've gone back from my car to make sure the door is locked. Yeah. Like, of course, it's locked. It's fine. And you know what? If someone's going to break in, they can get through the lock anyway. You know what I mean? Like, it's completely fine. Burglars aren't going around just jiggling handles. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they break into places. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting, man. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, it reminded me of a, a, a... Well, you actually talked about the conspiracy things, too, mm-hmm. which seems... I, I love a good conspiracy. Uh, and uh, Katie was like, oh, I feel like you guys are going to go long because she knows that. That She also, left. She did she leave. She took off. This is the perfect time to talk about <laughs> the part that she was interested in. Um, but the, that also seems like an anxiety reduction technique for me is a good conspiracy. Mm-hmm. I, re- I remember after 9-11 was hard on everybody. I mean, uh, you know, even if you weren't in New York, which I wasn't, it's just emotionally difficult. Uh, and I remember getting a lot of comfort 
in the weirdest way, being like, oh, it wasn't that. It wasn't just like a random series of events. Right. It was this very constructed, organized, shadow government, Illuminati sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And the deeper I got, I noticed the more comfortable I was flying. I know that's – I had to fly a lot at the time. And I was like, it's okay. The government did it. Yeah. And I'm not even saying that uh, that what, that couldn't possibly be the case. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying I took very real comfort in being like, they're going to space it out. They wouldn't do it again. Right. They wouldn't hit New York again. They wouldn't hit planes yeah. again. Yeah. They wouldn't. Yeah, it's not going to be planes again. It's not going to be New York again. Everything's going to be fine. Yeah. It, it, what it, it could be both. I mean, it can be. I mean, that I, I'm sure that is something that comforts. I'm sure a lot of people turn to conspiracy theories for like you know comfort. But then there are also some that you know. Prob- I mean, probably actually really happened. Like sure, I'm sure like when Kennedy was assassinated, the idea that just one guy. Uh, could take out the leader of the free world right. is terrifying to people. Right. And so I'm sure that they kind of took a little bit of comfort in this idea of like this was a mass you know, conspiracy right. orchestrated by the government and right. like couldn't just be one guy. Right, right, right. And so I'm sure that's why a lot of people gravitated towards that. It turns out it was probably absolutely true. That it was just one fella? Hey, Lyndon Johnson. Lyndon Johnson did it. Um, but uh, You do believe one person oh, did I, well, I mean, Lyndon Johnson. Lyndon Johnson, I think he called the shots. Is that a good one? You think uh, – I think, I think that one – I think history will look back on that. And, uh, you know, when we're gone, when America's gone, and it's like some other civilization looking back at, you know, the history of this, it'll be like, yeah, they, they, they took them out. They took them out. Yeah. yeah, sure. I just went down there to Dealey Plaza. Um, I've been there, too. Yeah, I went Someone to, wrote 9-11's an inside job on that fence. Yeah. The, the, it's the, still there? The grassy knoll. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I went down there and... Um, and uh, you know, you, you you get down there and you always hear about the grassy knoll, mm-hmm. and that's like where you know a lot of people said they saw smoke coming from behind, behind the fence, and everybody yeah. was running there. Um, and then you see where it is, right, in relation to where the car was, and it's such an easy shot; like right. it makes perfect sense. Right. And you know, when you look the head going back, like, right, and they're trying to say that you know the head went back because it was shot in the back, which doesn't right. seem like that makes sense. Right. It just makes a lot of sense that it would would be from there i think given enough time all conspiracies find their home in the collective consciousness like people accept them so like pearl harbor a very touchy subject around the time of pearl harbor everybody seen it's even in that stupid movie see well i think it was brought, glazed upon in that movie mm-hmm. but the idea that we're kind of like oh we maybe let that happen sort of thing to like help us get into that's, the war that's pretty accepted now. it's accepted yeah. like nobody nobody will at, le- at the very least no one's going to be offended at you suggesting yeah. that maybe we had word of it happening very similar uh, it's a large ocean to fly across without somebody seeing you that's what i'm saying yeah and then like you know people saying that the f-15s were grounded and all this sort of like we could have taken all those planes down these these are kind of more these are a little bit safer consp- mm-hmm. 9-11 conspiracies mm-hmm. uh safer meaning like less less yeah. wacko uh, lusitania from like uh world war one um i believe it's world war one yeah lusitania you know they were something um we were they the boat sunk and that got World War, uh, got America into World War One. Yeah, they were putting ads in the newspapers. Don't get on this boat, you know, because it's it's going to go into our space. And if it does come into our space, we're going to shoot it down. It was kind of a game of chicken, and like huh. so, it was. You know, both of those wars, we were kind of like, we want to get into these wars. Right. And we just need the thing to give us the, right. the the support of the people to get into these wars. Right. You and know? if I have the capacity in my – the evil part of my brain to be like, what are 3,000 civilian lives 
as opposed to world control or dominant. Like people mm-hmm. would be like, that's unimaginable. How could they do something like that? I'm kind of like, they could. I'm yeah. not, again, I'm not. I actually, you could even see how they would do it. You're right. You know, if you were sitting in that seat. And you had That's what a, I'm yeah, you could see that decision being made. Right. Like it's not a, it's not a, this is not a, you know, a perfect scenario. Right. But this will get us into. But this. Rumsfeld saying we need a new Pearl Harbor, like that. that oh, was we're talking about nine eleven. Yeah. Oh, now yeah. I'm oh, talking oh, about. Oh, I'm going back to. What we're we could be talking about any of them. Yeah. We yeah. could be talking about any of them. They all seem kind of bonkers. But when you think of yourself, I always go to the desert island scenario. If I'm on it, and I think maybe I got this from Bill Burr, we were talking about it. The idea that like you scheme, like the smart, like the smart is too stupid of a word. Let's just say powerful. Mm-hmm. The people that are find themselves in power, we're on a desert island. We start our own civilization. It's it's within our grasp. It's kind of like the cult. It's kind of like you get more power, more people, more belief, more money, and all this sort of stuff. You're going to start making crazier decisions yeah. to keep yourself in power and to keep things the way they are. And you could even probably delude yourself or, or, or in a scarier world, be correct that a sacrifice like that, like one of the worst things ever, you could believe, make yourself believe that it's a good thing, that you're doing like yeah. a good job. Uh, I think when you get up into like those people who get into power, they don't look at um, people like people. They right. look at them like subjects. You know, I think it's uh, – and it's not even trying to vilify them. I think it's just something that probably happens because right. you're thinking, well – I rose to this position, you know, I pulled myself up and I got here or my family, you know, behind me got me here. Like I'm important. I'm special. Sure. Like, you know, my decisions. I am, I need a, I am a shape-shifting lizard person <laughs> exactly. and I deserve yeah. baby blood. Yeah. <laughs> but there's this idea I think that a lot of uh, people in power have, which is they need to shepherd uh, the masses and the masses can't, you know, really right. make decisions or think for themselves really and they need help. Right. And uh, that puts them into like a – in their own mind some sort of lowercase g god. And right. um, so then it makes those decisions I, it's, easy. It's similar to me as a doctor. Like I think doctors probably look at us, look at us the same way like idiots. Like mm-hmm. we go in for our checkups and we're fat and we're still smoking and we're eating too much cheese. You know what I mean? And they're just like – well, take this pill, you idiot. Even though he's yeah. like kind of aware that it's like a trial drug, I think I think there's an us and them sort of mentality sometimes with big medicine and certainly big government. And and we all have I think part of that brain where we can be we could see ourselves being evil in that way, given given the right circumstances. Yeah. Like you're part of that family, and next thing you know, you can condition yourself to look at people not as people but as subjects. And next thing you know, you're pulling the trigger on a lot of weird, wacky yeah. shit. What is your What is your favorite area of conspiracy? Um, my favorite area. I don't. I um. I mean, is it nine? Is it nine eleven, or is it uh, aliens? Or are we looking at shape shifting? Uh, no, people? I mean, I don't really. I don't really have much of an opinion on the alien stuff. Like you know, it's. Um, I just and I just kind of feel like in these. You know, when you're talking about like Kennedy being assassinated, and you're talking about uh, you know the Iraq War and everything, it's the the simple, boring conspiracies mm-hmm. that are all you know basically just dollars and cents and it's just money. That's the ones that I think are the most probable to be right. Right. You know, we're just it's just a whole. I mean, the world is just a whole bunch of businesses trying to fuck each other over. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> so, like that makes sense to me. Right. Like, you know, um, the aliens thing. I don't know. I mean, I think that we uh, there obviously are aliens. Sure, it's got to be. I feel like you right. know. There's well, given the infinite universe. Yeah. Well, whether or not they get here. Yeah, I don't know if they get here. It but seems I, like a long way. 
It is a long way unless they figured out a way to fold the paper. Uh, but the idea that that's the favorite conspiracy is that they yeah. came and manipulated our DNA. That's why we have like one more chromosome than a monkey. Or right, whatever, right. Well, that's interesting. That's interesting. It's all interesting stuff. Yeah. But that's not what lights your fire. You, you like the more boring ones. What well, are, those are the ones I think. Those are the ones I think aren't conspiracy. I mean, those are the thing. Those are the ones I think aren't theory. Like uh-huh. you know, where I think that that probably happened. Right. I I, I love the you know the. You know, ancient alien kind of sure. uh, manipulating our DNA ones. I love that. But I don't do you, know if that's real or not. What but. are you jumping on the boards for? Like, what what lights your fire? Oh, I love reading about all of it. All of like, it. Like, oh uh, yeah, I'm fascinated with all of it. I, I like the, the sun crazier gazers. the better. The yeah, what? The sun gazers. There's one. Uh, the, I'm going to look up sun gazers. Yeah, look it up. There's one that I my favorite one <laughs> that I ever saw on uh, on the conspiracy board. And there's a whole bunch of people that really believed this. Uh, was they were saying that Lady Gaga. Mm-hmm. Was actually John Bonnet Ramsey. That Whoa. John Bonnet Ramsey wasn't killed; she was kidnapped, and then the Illuminati um, had programmed her to be a pop star to lead everybody to like a new world order. And there was all these people being like, "Yeah, look at the pictures. Look at the pictures. Like side by side, the eyes are the same space. Like, and right, that right. one is just a crazy." But she was on Boiling Points, that MTV show. Who Lady, Lady Gaga? Gaga? Oh, yeah. Well, when she was just like kind of like a civilian. She was on that show. That's a weird. Yeah. See, this well, I don't believe that thing. at all. No, I know. But, but yeah. my favorite thing about a conspiracy is that they'd be like, oh, yeah, they did that on purpose. It's like bulletproof. They'd be mm-hmm. like, they did that to give us some sort of touchdown to be like, here she is as a civilian. But it was like on camera and like it was safe and like it, yeah. it helps the story. But that, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. I love that one. Yeah, I like the really, um, really out there ones. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, uh, when it comes to really believing them, you're kind of a little bit more choosy. Yeah. No, I get yeah. it. Speaking of choosy moms choosing Jeff. <laughs> uh, the cre- yeah, we got to do a quick commercial. <laughs> do you want a lot of trans fats in your fucking oil? Um, fuck you, Jeff. I love like things that we aren't sponsored by, <laughs> just, just like really going against <laughs> Just really going against them. Um, no, uh, Kriegs, the Kriegs told me that in, in college uh, you had a really weird diet. I'm interested in food and stuff. Uh, and he said that you... you had a weird thing with your diet in college? Oh, well, I just, I've never been good at eating. Um, oh, it goes back to that. Yeah, like I, uh, and I, in college, I just had no money. So I uh, ate nothing but ramen. Yes. For um, like a long time, like months and months and months of really just <laughs> nothing but ramen. And um, I would actually, <laughs> I would, uh, I had, I had no money and I was in New York and New York's not a good place to not have money. Um, so, is. so what I would do was I would take the, uh, the recycling out um, of my entire dorm because um, my, my parents, you know, got me uh, into the dorm, but then they were like kind of cut me off. They were like mad at me or something for the time being. And I didn't really have, you know, a job in college. So I would go and I would take all the cans out of uh, the trash from all the dorm. And we had like 18 floors. Uh, so it was a lot of cans. And I would every day dump them off at the recycling center and I'd get enough money to buy like ramen, a pack of parliament lights and like a 40. Um, oh my God. And that would be like my diet for yeah. months and months and months. Because you can buy that case of ramen. Yeah. Like $2. Yeah. Yeah. But I, something, something happened where I was just eating way too much of it. And um, <laughs> arguably one is way too much of that. And I went to the doctor when I was uh, visiting uh, my parents at home. And they did like blood work or whatever, just like kind of a checkup. It and just comes out as the oriental <laughs> flavor. Your blood is oriental <laughs> flavor. <laughs> um, and, and so then I was uh, back at uh, college and I got a phone call. 
from my dad who was like, you got to, what are you, what are you, what are you eating? You know, what's your diet? What are you doing? Uh, because they said that I had a 50, 50 chance of having a heart attack, uh, in the next month. What? Yeah. My triglycerides were so off of the charts that they're like, you're, you're going to have a heart attack because uh, of all the sodium, I guess. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I guess so. I don't know. Whatever triglycerides, does triglycerides. Yeah. So I had to literally eat, uh, just nothing but uh, bagels, like plain bagels and water. That's what I ate for like two months after that to try to get my triglyceride levels Oh, my down. God. Yeah. That's insane. And I have a scar on my leg from it. What uh, did, yeah, he said your leg was yeah. eating itself. What, what is that? So you got a scar right there. What from? It's, how did that the, Well, that's why I went to the doctor in the first place. Like, is because, you know, there was this something. My leg started to eat itself. And I was trying to figure out what it was. And was, <laughs> my body was just out of whack and just going crazy. Your, your leg loves oriental sauce. So, <laughs> well, it sorry, didn't like ahead. ramen. So it's like, I'm just going to eat this part of the leg, you know. It went there. Yeah. Wow. So that must be a good place to eat if you're ever in a pinch. <laughs> Because the body picked it. I mean, it, it had to weigh its well, options. it's all scar tissue now, so I don't know. Well, but, yeah, now you ruined it. Yeah. So, way to go. <laughs> way to fucking... That's insane. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you didn't have gross. a heart, heart attack. Let me look at these other things. Oh, spanked on stage. The Creeks told me that, but I'm so glad. <laughs> Folks, here's died in college conspiracies. The Sam Laxative prank. Mm. <laughs> have you heard that? <laughs> I feel like... It, Katie, does that sound? It sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Zach talked about it. He did. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I'd, I mean, like, I seem to have Sam forgotten it. Mad about it. Oh, yeah, oh, man. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's a sensitive story. That one. You gotta tell it now. I mean, Kriegs told it to me. Sam yeah. already got mad about it. <laughs> it's already out there. Well, okay. Well, I'll put it at that because I, uh, I was in the wrong. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, Sam's mom listens to this. She does. Sam's mom listens to this I show? I called Sam... Hi, Sam's mom. ...a human joint on this show. <laughs> I love Sam. I just thought it was funny to think of him as a really big <laughs> joint. <laughs> Keep going. Uh, yeah, well, well uh, there was... <laughs> we were we rented this um, place in uh, Los Feliz uh, one, one, uh, <laughs> one, one time when we were writing a season of the show. <laughs> And there were these two, uh, two like rooms that we had and I went down and Sam, I was, we were noticing that Sam would like just, uh, kind of eat people's food without asking. Well, he's, so, a, he's a joint. So, but well, it, well, it's not really, it's kind of messed up on our part because what we did was we put this in his room. So it wasn't like, that's where you really it, blurred it, yeah. the line of justice and just a mean <laughs> it thing. It wasn't like do. it was in our room. It was like, we, we, we laid it out to trap him. Um, <laughs> But uh, Darren from Whitest Kids and I, uh, we went and we got all those chocolate laxatives. Why do they still make that? For these, this reason, for pranks. <laughs> it's it's solely a prank-based prank <laughs> product. They, do they have a point. meeting where we're like, 98% of our sales is the prank market. <laughs> 2% is old people who don't like prunes. It's hard to find an old person that doesn't like prunes. Uh <laughs> So we, we took them, and then we found um, a bag of chocolates that uh, kind of were similar in, in size. And we it took a long time. We unwrapped every single individual wrapper from this chocolate bag, and we put a single laxative in it. And uh, then repackaged it and put it in the bag, and we set it out. Um, and we, like, so it was completely our bad. It was, uh, yes, it and, was. And so then he started eating them, and... We waited until he'd eaten the entire bag, 
And then, and this was, this is where it was really dumb. Like, this was my plan. Like, this was the, uh. This is my second time travel destination, by the way. I want to see his face. Well, this is my reveal. Like, and this is the worst reveal ever. Uh, after he, like, literally right after he'd eaten the last one, I go, Sam, those were all of my laxatives. Those weren't, did you eat these? Those weren't chocolates. Those were laxatives. Like, you went with the innocent approach. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? Exactly. And uh, he's are... like, what? And it's like, why are they wrapped in chocolate wrappers? <laughs> like, That's what he said? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, a, it's, it's a, a valid question. Yeah. And then, so when he was really mad at me, I was also, just, we were also drinking, like, you know, so like my, uh, it, it wasn't very believable what I was doing. I was like, this, when he got mad, I was like, Sam, it was an accident. Mm-hmm. It was an accident. Like, mm-hmm. I was trying to say that it was an accident that I'd wrapped all of these XLXs in chocolate. And- <laughs> Did he believe it? No, like, no. It just made him more mad. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, total dick move. <laughs> what is the explosion? Well, it's a gun in the first act. I have to have the third act in uh, well, expand. Well, I mean, well, the thing was, like, I think it had been going on for, like, two days. What was? Well, because he, he didn't eat them all in one sitting. It was those thing. So oh. I think he was like really upset because uh, he didn't know if there was something wrong with him a, on a gastrointestinal level. Like, you know, he was yes. kind of thinking that he had some sort of, you know, stomach flu for like the 48 hours leading up to the big reveal. Oh, my God. That so, is so funny. It's a mean joke. It is a mean joke. It is a mean joke. But you like pranks. You had a really mean prank show pilot, didn't you? Yeah, well, it's still we're yeah, it's still in it's the, still in in it's, play. It's still in the air. Yeah. And I don't mean to degrade it or, or say it's bad by saying it's mean, but I remember here. I hate pranks, even yeah. though I love that story. So I guess I'm full mm-hmm. of shit. But like one of the pranks was like a uh, hairstyle. Are you allowed? Can you talk about this? Yeah, well, yeah, I think so. I just couldn't believe the balls on this guy. Yeah, well, meeting it, you, I uh, I pretended to. Uh, I, we got a fancy hair salon to let me um, uh, be a hair dresser and uh i just like when people would sit down i would just buzz their hair and like you know just these dudes that come in and I'd, they'd tell me what they wanted and i was like okay and i was just right across the top and everyone would freak out and they kind of took it well but then like a lady came in and what I, do you mean they took it well well they were like mad and then when we reveal like yeah on a show oh, like I they're see. like all right because like a guy can just be like okay just shave the rest of my hair off like, right, you know, right, right like that's fine you know right um and then uh a la- I, I would have been pissed yeah <laughs> like i would like too. this lady yeah. I would too. Yeah, yeah yeah and then a, a lady came in and i cut six inches of her hair off and uh she just freaked out and uh it was like it, it was one of those things where i when she was sitting there i was like i don't want to do this i don't want to do this and then the, the producer's in my ear like uh with an ifb and he's kind of saying like you gotta do six inches and i was like six and three let's do three inches like six inches you gotta do six inches oh my God. so we cut it and then she freaked out but then you know we had the even after the reveal she freaked out no after the reveal she was still like she was kind of like upset, but the, 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 the whole the whole premise of the the show is that we had um, uh, it was people being set up by their friends. Uh, so then their friends come out, and then they're kind of like, oh, "Okay, you know, my buddy got me." You know, right, so right, it right. deflects the anger. They're not really mad at me anymore. They're kind of you know, it's oh. it's like I'm going to get you back to my friend. Right. And then a lot of them actually would come up to us and be like, "Okay, now we got to get my friend." Like you know, like so I want to you know. Uh, oh, that would be good. Then you get the little revenge, exactly like the never ending cycle. Yeah. Um. But uh, and when and the and the lady actually ended up being fine with it too because we had like the head of the salon 
like give her a really cool haircut and right. like we didn't damage it to the point where it was going to she was going to look weird like you know he came in and gave her like a cool short haircut and she actually really liked it oh my god but it was uh it was like it was it was like making me sick it's making me sick hearing it. Yeah, oh, doing it. It was. I couldn't sleep the night before. Like I knew that bit was coming up, and I was like, "Oh, oh man!" It's like one of these things that, like, when you're like writing them, you're like, "Yeah, this will be good. This will be. This will be funny." Yeah, right, okay, right. that'll be crazy. I haven't seen that before. Let's do that. And then right. as it gets to it, like right before it, you're like, "Oh wait, I got to do it." Like I'm, I got to be the person that actually does it. That's. It's really like terrifying. you pranked yourself. Yeah, the really. worst person. Yeah, you got two days of agony. Yes. That's the show. <laughs> like we film you doing doing just, a prank yeah. show, and the pranks get worse and worse and worse yeah. and meaner and meaner. And, and I'm meaner. just pulling hard on an electronic cigarette, just trying to. <laughs> Are you ever afraid of them exploding? Or is that no. urban legend? Uh, does that happen? I never heard about that. Google it. Uh, I got a new thing to be afraid of. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have shared that <laughs> horror with you. It, um, I don't know if that's true. I think that it sounds like an urban legend to me. What about the hardest time you've ever laughed? Is that, does that conjure up anything for you? Hardest time I've ever laughed. I like to I like to point out it can be a silly thing from your childhood. It could be seeing somebody fall or somebody farted. <laughs> it really it really doesn't have to be a good story. I'm just yeah. wondering what's think, yours. Uh, I was in a pool with my friend, and uh, and I w- we were playing that it was the Olympics, and I was telling him the. <laughs> I've told the story before. I was telling him the events, <laughs> and I was doing an, an announcer voice. I was like, "And uh, then we're going to have the underwater breath holding contest," and then this kid. <laughs> Who was like, you know, I don't know how old he was. He was younger than us. I feel like that's important. He was like seven or eight. Is hauling ass doing the crawl stroke, but with his face underwater and doesn't see us. And it's just coming at us really, really quickly. And I said, as the announcer, I go, and other events such as running from this guy. And it was the timing of it. It was like including him, and we had to be moving. I was like, another message is running from this guy. My friend got out of the pool and threw up. We were laughing wow. so hard. Yeah, it was a, re- and that's the one of two times I've made that guy throw up. And the other time was in our thirties, and that was also from an- laughing. That was also, you know, I shit on weed a lot just because I don't like the way it affects my brain after it's done, mm-hmm. after it's out of your system. I feel like I have like a three, four day turnaround to be normal again. Sure, yeah, yeah. But uh, also I can celebrate it because one of the times that we, we smoked weed together was the hardest time. I've One of the other hardest times I've ever laughed. It was just this amazing – we were just in this rarefied air. We found the perfect mix of nostalgia and being high and I was doing all these impressions and when I'm high impressions sound so good uh-huh. they just sound like I'm really nailing them so I was doing like Pacino and I, I did one that I don't even do I did Chris Martin from Coldplay and I, I was holding up the album Parachutes and I was like remember this is not an actual parachute it's an album like I can't take any more lawsuits people jumping out of planes hold- like it's totally because we were high he laughed so hard and then and I said, and I've told this part of the story before, I go in the middle of it, and then it was one of those profound stone silences. I go, there are 11 clocks in this room. <laughs> and I don't remember ever counting the clocks. And we counted microwave, wristwatch, oven. There were exactly 11. And we laughed so hard he threw up in the sink. <laughs> it was, it was too, uh, one of my favorite, favorite memories. But I mean, like, it's hard. If it doesn't come to you, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't I, I, come I, to you. I don't know that I have one that stands out as like, this is the hardest. It's uh, completely uh, fine. What about this one? When you lay down to fall asleep, do you do a ritual every night? I'll tell you what I mean. Every night when I fall asleep, 
It's really, really weird. I often pretend that I'm a sniper. Mm -hmm. I'm not shooting anybody. I like to point that out. It's not like a a violent fantasy. But something about being up high and armed and alone. And uh, Noah Garfinkel pointed this out to me. He was like, I do that too. You mentioned it on the show. He says he also thinks it's a situation where you're not supposed to fall asleep. You know what I mean? Like you're holding very still and you're being very, very quiet. Mm -hmm. But you're not supposed to fall asleep. So there's something kind of like comforting about being like, and I am going to fall asleep. Uh, Like when you're in bed, you're pretending to be a sniper? I'm pretending often. I'm not even like I'm just like some sort of army guy, well-armed, well-trained, kind of like a Jason Bourne type. Like nothing's going to get me. Yeah. Like it, it makes perfect sense evolutionarily that I would fantasize that I'm some sort of untouchable superhuman yeah. because I'm about to go into the very vulnerable state of sleep. Hmm. That's my interpretation of it. And then when that gets old, I just start pretending I'm the greatest basketball player in the world. I don't watch basketball. I don't give a shit about basketball. But I love watching a documentary. Michael Jordan's there and he's like, I don't know how he does it. He's the greatest. He's really the king. I wear New Balance because they're made in America. Mm-hmm. Like I just think about the products I endorse and like the movie <laughs> about me, whether or not I rock a gold chain, all the, what team I play for. Like yeah. it, it just like... That's a really interesting way to go to bed. It helps me fall asleep. Yeah. But you know what I get with guests a lot with this question is I ask them, they don't necessarily know the answer. The next time I see you, you're like, you know, yeah. I didn't realize, but every time I fall asleep, I, I think I'm making cheese. I do something boring or I do something yeah. empowering. Well, I mean, I feel like I've, I've, um, I don't know that I have one, but I, you know, sometimes when I'm like trying to go to sleep, I'll pretend like I'm like, you know, on like a long space trip. Yeah. You know, like now we're going into stasis. You know, we wake up, we'll be at Jupiter. And you're not the first person to say that. Really? The idea of the sleep pod is perfect. I Mm -hmm. can't, when I'm watching like Alien, I'm like, I fuck this, turn off the movie. I'm going in a sleep pod. Yeah. That sort of deep coma coma sleep is very, that's perfect. That's a perfect answer. What kind of soap are we using? Body soap. Uh, Body soap? Uh, I just use this, it's just like pink stuff. See, that's a married guy answer. <laughs> right. Does she buy it? Yeah, I, 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 I don't, I, I don't think I have bought body soap, but like it's uh, like a, like a, like pink. It's but like a, a is there a bar? No, also it's not a bar. The... It's a, it's a scrub. Are a... you only using a scrub? Yes. Lufa? No, no, no. Hand for the privates? Y- uh, yeah, hand. <laughs> we handing it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Wait, I... I don't, I don't, I don't use bar soap. Yeah, okay. I don't use bar soap. I use both. I'm using a, a liquid for the for the like surface areas, and then when we get in the crevasses, oh, the bar comes out. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I find more control, cleaner. It's kind of gross. It's gross that we all do that. Well, that's that. That seems like, uh, yeah, because then if oh, uh, well, I guess you have different bar soap if people are coming over, like you know, you have a guest. That's a very fair question, but no. And I oh, just really? had, uh, my friend Oren was just staying over and but using your is- bar soap from your crevasse. But I'm soaping up my hands. The the bar doesn't go in the crevasse. Okay. okay. Yeah, I don't butt That's better. But then your hands are going right back on the bar. But then I wash my hands very vigorously with the soap. This Mm -hmm. is how we rationalize this gross thing that we do called bathing. But I'm hoping (laughs) that in the washing with the bar at the end, I'm taking the ass layer off. It's the same thing when I use my father's shower at home. I take the soap and I wash my hands with it long enough that I think I've taken off that, like, epidermis of dad ass. Yeah. (laughs) Epidadass. Sometimes things work out. You shower morning, night, or both? Can't stop showering. Love showering. I shower all the time. Isn't it great? Yeah. Bad circulation sometimes, too. I get like cold feet or whatever, and the only solution is a shower. Or if you have writer's block. 
Does it help? Take a shower. Yeah, because it puts you in uh, – someone explained this to me once, uh, um, why this works. But it puts you in like a left brain because uh, you're doing something that doesn't take a lot of thought. Yes. So you're kind of doing a very mechanical movement. And yeah. it's, it's why a lot of people have ideas driving and a lot of people have ideas uh, showering. I'm the, I mean, I am that way. Because it puts you – it, it, it makes – your right brain is doing what it needs to do. You don't need to be thinking. So it throws you over into left brain stuff and that's when people uh, are better at writing. Free podcast. That's great. That's so cool. I've had some of the best ideas in my life driving. Yeah, I've gotten. I've almost gotten in many car accidents for writing down or trying to voice <laughs> while you're driving something that seems very profound at the time. And sometimes it is. Sometimes it, it ends up being uh, the best thing. What about the last time you cried? Uh, I not a good. I don't know. I don't know. Not a good cry. Not a good crier. Like, Movies count. Music. I don't. No, I don't know. No, what I mean is? it's not like a. I think it would be good to sure. cry. I think it's a good like well, stress Irish, relief. Irish Scottish. Oh yeah, it feels great. It yeah, feels great. But I'm not good at it. I mean, I've, I feel like I've I've tried at a thing to be like, ah, oh, I just I feel horrible. Yeah. I'd love to if, cry, and then you have that kind of release in your brain, like yeah. kind of like you, it's, it's like, like throwing a, up. The opposite of a headache. Almost, yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm not good at it. Not, I, I'll uh, make it weird. Uh, I. I a friend of mine told me that he went to a hypnotherapist for mm-hmm. weight loss. Mm-hmm. And I was like, got so excited because I remembered as a youth I was so interested. I actually have a bet I'm working on about it. When I was a kid, all I cared about was the, the solar system, aliens, hypnosis, and magic. And the joke is that I was right. Those are the most yeah. important things. Those are the most interesting things. And then we just fill it with sports and taxes and whatever it is. The kids are everything is new to a kid. So right. taking everything in at once and they're right. just laser beaming on what's important. To the best, coolest stuff. And yeah. I agree. I, I'm, the point of the joke, I've only done it once, is that I was more right as a child. That was correct. <laughs> That's how you should be. We should yeah. only be talking about that we're on a planet hurling through space. Yeah. It's amazing. Dinosaurs. To- dinos- exactly. Dinosaurs, yeah. We're all done talking about dinosaurs. It doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense. Mm-hmm. And there's like stories of magic I, whether or not they're I, I mean like real magic like right. shit happening like with some uh, city in uh, in India is doing some crazy shit and we don't care we just don't care Yeah, I don't even care and I'm like a caring guy so anyway I asked the guy about this hypnosis and I was like so some you went to a hypnotherapist and they put you under and I was like what was that like and he was like it was like being in a dream but you were awake and I was like well then I'm doing it you know mm-hmm. what I mean not for any reason but I just went, and I highly recommend it. It uh, worked? It worked wonderfully. Really? If you're in L.A., her name is Cynthia Morgan. I, I'm not plugging her, but you can look up her stuff. You can also download some of her like self-hypnosis mm-hmm. things. And I, I would go – because I don't be- – don't, at this point, I don't believe in hypnosis. Let me tell you so why. I would go to try to be – Proven wrong. There you go. Yeah, and and just to just like look in that cupboard. Mm-hmm. That cupboard is in the kitchen of life. You can go and look in, and there's yeah. no real harm to it. Mm-hmm. Nothing bad is going to happen, and you can do it. And this is somebody's job, and she's done it thousands of times. We talked a lot about hypnosis. Here's here's the thing. Uh, it's not that you uh, you snap into some state and you just don't remember anything. She said that's very, very rare. Mm-hmm. The idea that you're going to go so deeply into your subconscious that you'll have no memory of what you said or what you did or she planted some weird thing that you're going to cluck like a chicken every time the phone rings. Mm-hmm. It's not really like that. I remember the whole thing. But what I do remember, and I, as a meditator, I'm pretty decent at relaxing myself. Like I, I do it. Every day. It's very, very similar to meditation, but it's guided. So you sit in the chair. First of all, you talk for like an hour and a half. That's the therapy part. Then the hypnosis is about a half hour. And then uh, I lay there. This is why it came to mind. Lay there. It's just very, very typical. Uh, I don't say that in a judgmental way. Very typical like – 
uh, picture a comfortable place. You can see it. Let's go down some stairs. We're going from 10 to 1, more and more relaxed, a lot of repetition. The reason why that's a cliche is because that works. You know what I mean? Like someone's saying, um, I forget what her phrase is, but it's something like, calm, relaxing light or mm-hmm. something, talking about washing over you. That shit works. We're just getting into the lizard part of our brain, very base stuff. Yeah. I'm going to lull you into this place. And then the way she puts it is that your conscious is in the front and your subconscious is in the back, and it just kind of turns it around. And I really think it does. Here's the, here's the weird thing, though. I was kind of – we talked a little bit about something that was stressing me out. And when you get – when you talk to your subconscious about something that's stressing you out, what started happening was that I was – I started crying like almost immediately. Hmm. I say that with pride because I'm like you. I can't get a good cry out. Right. But here's this stranger and a pretty simple procedure. I mean nuanced, mm-hmm. surely. I don't think anybody can do it. But she puts me into this place. Wasn't that exceptional? Wasn't It wasn't like someone flicked the lights on or off. It was just a gradual, very relaxing thing. But then we start talking and, and getting into some like pretty beautiful stuff that I thought was kicking around my subconscious and very vulnerable stuff kicking around my subconscious. And then also some scared stuff, some stuff that we all deal with. Just like we're talking about the weight of existence comes out in this very kind of like childish way. And just it wasn't – I don't know. I don't mean to be defensive, but it wasn't weeping. But it was tears just started kind of coming out, and it felt fantastic. It's eye coming. It's amazing. Yeah. It's 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 a it's an incredible feeling. When I was done, I was so happy. People want to be broken. I think uh-huh. I hear about acting workshops where people are broken and they they force you down to some primitive state where I get the fucking truth about how you felt about being on the road with your parents or whatever, or mm-hmm. I feel about my divorce. What are we suppressing? When you get into some sort of state where one thing I think is permission, you have permission to feel that way, you have permission to feel vulnerable. And also I think that stuff is just kicking around in us. And if we let it out, if it's lulled out, it comes out. So it was a really transcendent and wonderful thing. Afterwards, did you feel like – did you feel – like when you were on the drive home, did you feel kind of like – embarrassed like sort of like ooh, i, I yeah. don't know that person and i was just very open and very very, very like naked question. with that i've got myself having silly fantasies where i'm like uh what if she uses that against me somehow right but the weird thing is, is i've never worried about that with my therapist therapist mm-hmm. uh but for some reason because this is like a fringe practice or whatever i don't even know if that's true I'm and sure that's like your first visit and it's my first visit yeah. But we talked for an hour and a half and we clicked. As you might imagine, somebody like me would click with a hypnotherapist. You know what I mean? Like I'm interested. I told her I wasn't there to prove her wrong. I I wasn't like there to be like, see, I knew I couldn't be hypnotized. I was like, fuck it. Let's do this. I'm on board. Like whatever you do, whatever you say. But surprisingly, I I did get trust from her pretty quickly, almost right away. Um, But I did later have that feeling like, I hope she doesn't use this against me somehow. Yeah. She's not going to. But you do have those fear flare-ups. But I mean – That sounds awesome. Yeah. People like us might need help. But here's the thing is if you don't want to do it, there are things. There's meditations you can do. There's things online I'm sure you can do. Just Mm -hmm. make sure you get it from a good place that you can listen to some earphones and probably take yourself to a more vulnerable state. I think – I mean I would be interested in doing like – all of that. I think there's a. I I went to a, a psychic, um, which I don't believe in. Sure. Like, uh, but I went to a psychic. That's another cupboard. Yeah. But Here I was like, go. I'll go and I'll try this whole Who thing. Who cares? Out. What are you going to lose? Yeah. So I like sat down with a guy and he was like, um, he's talking to me and he was like, uh, we flipped some cards or whatever. And then he was like, um, he's like, you're going to get married very soon. Like that. And I was like, well, I already am married. And he was like, oh, sorry, I didn't see the ring. And then I was like, well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. 
Wow. <laughs> it's like right off the bat. I was like, all right, well, this is what, you know, this is what I thought it was. Um, That's so heartbreaking. <laughs> As you started telling, I told this moving story about how hypnotherapy worked. And then I was like, oh, Trevor has one. <laughs> oh, no. No, but I mean, I. No, no, there's nothing wrong with guy, that. You know? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. I mean, psychics are an interesting mm-hmm. phenomenon. I, I just was so. I can't escape my preferences. I would rather psychics be real. Right. They call it – I've learned from this show that I have a strong confirmation bias. Even yeah. with the hypnotherapist, I told her I wanted it to work. Yeah. Okay, then. Fine. Does that mean it didn't work just because I was like willing and open to it working? I think that's a requisite for it working. Yeah, it could be the the mind space that you go into, the some, so especially something like that where you're kind of trying to get into your own subconscious. Yeah. You probably have to want it to work exactly. or at least be open to it for it to actually take any sort of I think that's exactly what it is. It, yeah. It's controlled agreement. And then, like I said, it's permission to it's like mm-hmm. it's okay now. You can let your subconscious out. So the trust element and and, yeah. and also my willing participation, I think, was huge. Well, the, the one thing with like hypnotherapy, like you know, where I guess I guess I kind of feel like it does work. You know, I'm kind of skeptical about it, but you know, um, is I did going back to alien conspiracies. I uh, did a documentary. Um, I used to work at this uh, Asian television network. And I was in charge of like news and, you know, kind of documentary stuff. So I did a documentary on people who had been abducted by aliens. Hmm. And uh, what? How did this not come up immediately? (laughs) (laughs) But I went out and found, you know, people who had been abducted by aliens. And um, you found them again. Yeah. They had already been found (laughs) by the aliens. (laughs) Uh, But I got this interview where I got to interview this woman who um, had been. in one of the largest abductions that was witnessed by other people, like in, Whoa, in history, that happens. Yeah, yeah. People there was, witness abductions. They say they do. Um, and and I went into this documentary believing that alien abductions happened. Hit it. And then I came out of it not really believing that they have happened. But I think that something that a lot of these people who claim to be abducted by aliens have in common is that they they um, access these memories of the abduction through hypnotherapy. So then it kind of becomes on the scourge of the hypnotherapy community. I'm sure they don't like those. But but then it becomes like what uh, it it brings up a whole bunch of things. Like, well, if this is how they're coming into these, you know, memories, like is it suggestion? I mean, are the hypnotherapists being uh, like, and what happened when you were asleep? Or are they saying like, now when you were asleep, did you see a light? You know, and then is it planning? So, but I do think that you know that's. You know, you so that would make it seem like it. There is something to hypnotherapy, like yeah. that you can plant things in well, there. Well, that you was can... that was another fear that I had with uh, with that was that I was like, people uncover these things, and like if you say, I realized that my father touched me or something terrible like that. Mm-hmm. When did you realize that under hypnotherapy? Like thirty years after the fact, mm-hmm. people are going to be like, you're you're full of shit. Right? Like, people don't accept that. Do you, so okay. So tell me more about the abduction thing. <laughs> Fuck hypnotherapy. I mean, so tell me about the witnessed one. What does that mean? It was. It was. But that was all forgotten. They all had their memories wiped and then recalled it later. They recalled it uh, later, or they knew something was amiss. But then under hypnotherapy, they kind of started to, um, you know, fill in the details. So aliens know we can do shit right in front of them. We have to use our memory erasers. Yeah. And if they're hypnotized and remember it because they back. don't work in the subconscious. Uh, it, no one will believe them because it's hypnotherapy. I guess if they really got abducted, I don't know. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, what? So they said that they saw someone get beamed up. Uh, the witnesses, yeah, the witnesses said that they saw somebody get, you know, taken up 
In a beam of light? In a beam of light, yeah. I love that beam of light shit. Yeah. That's it crazy. Seems, yeah. And you talk to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at, did your skin crawl at moments where you like totally on board? No, I mean, I mean, look, they believe it. They, I sure. think they absolutely believe it. I think the people who are say they're abducted by aliens, I don't think they're lying. I don't. I think they're you know probably good people. They're probably you know they really and they're traumatized. I think they're actually traumatized by this stuff because right. they really believe it. But I don't know, uh, or at least the ones that I interviewed. Yes, um, and it's really mainly one, uh, but it was like a big. Can we no watch witness. this documentary? Uh, it never made it to air, but I, I have a copy of it. I can show it to you. Really? Yeah. Um, and uh, but I just I, I, I left being like, eh, I don't. I think she's telling the truth, but I don't know that that happened. What about like weird tattoos? Or I found this piece of glass in my foot. That's... I didn't interview anyone like that, but um, but the, yeah, that's a whole that's a whole other thing. The the implants. Yeah, implants. Yeah. That that's that, I I remember I've told this on the show before. As I said to Katie, I think we've passed the threshold. I think I've said everything. <laughs> I I, re- I honestly think I'm going to stop apologizing for repeating myself. I had you tell the Sam story, and I loved yeah. it both times. Let's just embrace that sometimes I'm going to repeat myself. Yeah. It's okay. At some point, you're just going to be like, "That's it, I'm done." Yeah, <laughs> and I just I've said everything. Sail I need away. To say. Yeah. You know what's actually happening? I think is I'm letting the guest talk more, mm-hmm. and it's not it's not an effort anymore. It's just like I don't. When I first started the podcast, I had this urgency to interrupt and interject every time I thought of something because I just had this real desire to share. And now I'm kind of like, if people have been listening to the show, they know. Like it, when, I, It's almost getting to the point now where I think they can listen to you talking and they almost probably know the stories and anecdotes that, I'm, that you're reminding me of. Uh-huh. I don't even have to say them. Isn't that bizarre? That's that's uh, that's good. It's a it shorthand. Is. No, I love you know? it. I love it. You it's... should just start naming the stories, like, and then you just say like story B four. Yeah, 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 you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Love song to number two. Yeah, right, I forget <laughs> it. Oh, I forget. What was it? Love song. Love song for number two. Oh, yeah. I, I got it right. Okay. Have you ever uh, done a um, uh, sensory deprivation chamber? I have. Yeah. But how did, did you like that? Did you? I did, have... I've done that. Yeah. I did it, and I, I, I talking about a guy who's on board. I thought mm-hmm. more would happen. I was bored. Really? Uh, because I was laying down. Seated is kind of like an agreed upon meditative place. I'm sure you can meditate laying down, but I found it a mm-hmm. lot harder. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what so to do. So you were trying to meditate in? in I was trying the- to like, me- yeah, I was trying to, I was trying to go to the other side. I was like, yeah. let's do this. My eyes are open. Let's trip. Let's, let's have some weird shit happen. Nothing happened. Huh. I thought about trying to like holding in my piss. Found out that the person <laughs> I was with was just letting it go. Because <laughs> you're in like saline, I guess it's wait. Okay. Are you you're in the same? We were in the tank with someone. No, else? no, no. There were two tanks. Oh, okay. Uh, did you do this in Venice? I did do it in Venice. I went to the same place you did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So did you go once? I went once. And was it okay? It was. You know, I didn't. Um, it was there. I went there kind of being like, oh, let's see what this is about. Um, and I went in and the guy was like, yeah, just stay in there for three hours. Yeah. And I was like, three hours, that seems like a lot. Like, I don't know. Um, and I got in there and I stayed in about 45 minutes and then I got to a point where it, I, and it was, I was kind of surprised. It really works where you don't feel the edge of your body anymore. Yeah. Like you get to this point where, because the, the solution that you're in is the same temperature as your blood. Right. Um, there's no sound, there's no light, you know, so your brain has to start making things up. And then once I just kind of felt like a void, mm-hmm. you know, where I was just thoughts and blackness, mm-hmm. um, that got too much for me at the moment. So I kind of like, you know, I just kind of instinctively put my hand out and grabbed the wall and kind of grounded myself. Yeah. And then I left. Uh, where I so was, it totally worked. It totally worked, but it was it was kind of like I was like I'll do this again. Yeah. Like I don't really feel we gotta go. I don't want to just trip 
right yeah. now, but I totally got to this point where I was like, okay, I'm just thoughts and nothingness. And that was enough for that visit. And so I left. And the weird thing is I got out in 45 minutes and the guy told me to stay in there for three hours. Yeah. And he was gone. Yeah. Like, they lock you in. Yeah. So I was like locked in this. Uh, so I had to just, I left the door unlocked. You're not locked in, but you're locked in. Yeah. I also got out early. Okay. I got out at like two hours and two and a half hours. Really? But I was like, I became obsessed with what, I didn't want him to get me out. Even though he yeah. just goes like, and that's time or whatever, I became obsessed with the idea of not wanting to be disturbed. I wanted to get out on my own terms. But I never got to that place. I'm actually, in the weirdest way, I'm like proud that, or impressed, I guess I should say I'm impressed that you were able to like just smush into yeah. nothing. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily pleasant. but Yeah, it, no, it sounds unpleasant. Yeah, but it wasn't, you know, I would do it again. But yeah, see, fucking good for you, yeah. Eleanor Roosevelt. Something that scares you every day, sort of stuff. Yeah, that's some good stuff. Mm-hmm. That's good. Most people are eating cheese sandwiches <laughs> and high fiving their uncle every day. That sounds pretty good too. It's not bad. That's, not that's bad. why they do it every day. They love it. <laughs> He's always got a dry hand. They don't like that moistness. Uh, well, this is great. Do you want to um, play one more game? We could do the Google game, or you could tell me how you lost your virginity. What's or- the Google game? We look at what we the last things we've been Googling. Speaking of me Googling everything Scientology. Oh, what's the last thing I've been Googling? You mean on the phone? Yeah, you take your phone out. All right. And then uh, you have a drawl. Droid. Drawl. Drawl. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know how you do it on a drawl, but on this you just hit Google and they're all there. Oh. All right. See, this is from – I just had dinner with Vikram – and, uh, ooh, I Googled coffee enema. See, I'll try anything. I don't give a shit. I Googled I meltdown. <laughs> meltdown? Yeah. Wait, for the, oh, to find here. Ah, <laughs> that was the last thing I Googled. You son of a bitch. Uh, hold on, let me get a better one. Let me see if there's one behind that. I don't know how to do. Heavy metal chelation. Chelation therapy. What's that? That's, you can take, it's controversial. You can take these pills that bind metals. Like, you know how we all have way too much mercury in our blood? Mm-hmm. I actually just got my blood tested because I just went to the regular doctor and they do that as a precaution or whatever. And they said I was at like a seven on a scale of 10. And like if a, if a Western doctor is kind of like, that's pretty high. I'm like, that must be like absurdly high by my own new agey standards. So you have a ton of mercury? I mean, a seven out of 10 is pretty high. They were saying like, they were saying an, uh, a nine or a 10 is bad, but I bet a seven's not great. Right. Do you eat a lot of fish? I do. And they were like, uh, tuna in general, any of the bigger fish are really going to fuck you. Hmm. And, uh, if, and I was like, but I'm eating like, I was like, I thought I was eating like fancy LA sushi stuff. And they were like, it doesn't matter. It all has radiation in it too. Does it? Yeah. Cause of, uh, Fukushima. Fuck everything. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Uh, Synthony, <laughs> Cynthia hypnotherapist. <laughs> that, that goes back from there. Paula Dean says N-word. <laughs> and then a bunch That's of... That's what you Google? Medita- well, apparently she got in trouble a couple days ago. Uh, origami birds folding instructions? That's a great one. Thank you for sharing that one. Uh, Care Bear Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> just go Wikipedia just for Care Bear. I was to see if there was a... I think a, I was in a conversation and I was trying to think of the names. No Heart. I also Googled No Heart. That was the villain in Care Bears. Uh, um, no heart. Droopy dog. 
Did you feel conflicted about the Care Bears because they seemed kind of girly? I mean, they were like I love them. I love them too. Yeah, I love them. But like, I remember getting a little bit, catching a little bit of flack for being like, I love the guy. He's got a a potted flower on his belly and he's yellow, and I just want to squeeze him. And people are like, grow up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how old were you when this was? Well, I had an older brother. You're the oldest, so I had an older brother. I I had Mm -hmm. him there. I benefited a little bit from that his marshalling. But I think a lot of my grown rebellion of being like, I can do whatever I want. I'm going to ride a Segway and light sparklers and prance around who gives a shit comes from that marshalling of an older brother. Hmm. His obsession with being cool and being a grown-up, being two years ahead of me. And then I kind of caught some shrapnel from his own self-criticism, being like, we're not a baby anymore. Stop it. You know right. what I mean? And I'm like, but I am a baby and I love Care Bears. <laughs> Like strawberry shortcake, I remember loving strawberry shortcake. That yeah, was, that was for girls. No, I, I, uh, yeah, I didn't have the older brother, so I didn't like really have the that signal. I, I, I kind of was. I, I think I got out of um, uh, the cartoons and stuff like a little late. Mm-hmm. Um, where I, I, well, I don't know if, if it's that late, but I remember um, I loved uh, Ninja Turtles. Yes, me too. Big Ninja Turtle fan. Like I had like seventy, like some of them, like the toys and everything. I know. And um, I don't always say I know, but I know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I remember leaving school at and you know the summer at the beginning of the summer one year, and all of my friends were totally into Ninja Turtles, and we were like, yeah, Ninja Turtles are awesome. And I lived like thirty miles away from my school, so I didn't really see my school friends in the off months. Like I hung out with like, you know, the kids that lived in my neighborhood. Then I went back to school that fall and brought all my Ninja Turtles with me to school. And mm-hmm. I was like, this is going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Was, you know, I'll meet the whole Ninja Turtle gang again. We'll play Ninja Turtles. And everyone's like, no, we're not into that. And I was like, me either. I just, you know, I just brought them. And then like, so that was, that was the end. <laughs> God in heaven. That is how I feel too. Man, yeah. I'd stop playing with uh, action figures. In fact, if I had your Ninja Turtles, I'd probably I'd play with them this afternoon. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Uh, I, I, I played with uh, action figures until I was 18, secretly. Uh-huh. The same kid I made throw up twice caught me once. <laughs> and I had to scoop them all under my mom's afghan, and, and he totally found them because that, there's that telltale crunch of sitting on an afghan that's stuffed with G.I. Joe's. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> what did he do? We just laughed. Notu- we still quote it. He goes, "Playing with your toy speed." <laughs> That's what he said. So I can still call him and say, "Playing with your toy speed." It was that dramatic. It was like a thing. They were fun. The stories, the epic storyline. Yeah. I don't know. The television wasn't that great. There weren't a whole lot of channels. Yeah, like, you know, That's right. We had yeah, to make our own a, entertainment. There yeah. were no Xbox. Yeah, you know what I mean. We barely had ATMs. That's right. If you didn't have money on Friday, you didn't have money for the weekend. It was a rough time. The bank is closed. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree, man. I, I have this big thing where it's like, as a kid, it's all about putting armor on. It's all about suppressing things, about growing up. And then I think once you get through high school, you start to realize you don't need as much armor. And you can start taking it off. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think I need this arm plate or this breastplate. All these things that I was fabricating like i don't like uh silly dancing or i don't like action figures so it's our job as grown-ups to remove as much as we can like i look at parents now and if they're like silly embarrassing parents that like dance the chicken dance and and do silly voices and think whoopee cushions are hilarious and are have open hearts i'm actually like that's good that actually takes effort it's mm-hmm. easier to stay in your shell and just be like I don't like anything no like never leaving the toddler phase of no and just yeah. like, no is wonderful it's powerful you'll come off as opinionated and smart all you're doing is negating everything mm-hmm. but if your parents are dancing and being embarrassing they did the work 
that wasn't like a natural state. It took effort to get back to the more natural state, the childlike state, and take that armor off. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, man. I just always assumed that everybody in the 50s and 60s were like dancing and like, you know. Yeah, that could be. It could also it be generational. all like sock hops and like, you yeah. know, corny jokes. Am I the only one that whenever <laughs> someone says sock hop, I don't picture a dance. I picture people wearing socks just hopping around <laughs> on one foot too. I don't know why. That's not a hop. It's like Jesse Klein has that great bit where she's like, whenever she hears someone say it was like putting a, throwing a hot dog down a hallway, mm-hmm. she's like, I'm never even offended. I just think of how fun it would be to throw a hot dog down a hallway. <laughs> Jesse Klein, everybody. She's not here, but we'll quote her. Well, this is great, man. I, I, I'm so happy that, that this finally happened. Yeah. We canceled on you twice? Uh, once or yeah, twice. I don't know. Well, that's some good grace. <laughs> Love doesn't remember shit like that. Yeah. Very first Corinthians of you. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, you man. You feel good? Yeah. There's nothing you wanted to get out? No, I think I'm. Yeah, I think I'm good. Uh, then we feel the same way. Yeah. We end the show with the guest saying, "Keep it crispy." It just means what it sounds like. Yeah, keep it crispy. <laughs> that was. So- <laughs> Whoops! <laughs> I've dropped that award so many times. Get this out of here, Chris Hardwick Award. <laughs> I, I'll put it face down there to take some power from him. Uh, thank you so much, Trevor. You were fantastic. Pete, thanks. Yeah, dude. Now leaving Nerdist.com.